Welcome back. This is the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast with the first episode for the 2018 Fantasy Baseball season. I am Pat Donovan, joined by Nick Ligatino. What's up? And Joe Saunders. What's going on, everybody? All right, guys. So tonight we have a long show for you. We're going to run through the off-season moves, which... Although it has been slow moving, it has picked up of late. And then we are going to do our catcher positional preview. So let's not waste time and jump right into it. Giancarlo Stanton was traded with cash from Miami to the Yankees for Starlin Castro and two low minors prospects. Gentlemen, what does this mean for Stanton? Is he in the first half of the first round now? I mean, I I think that. Once ADPs roll around, he'll be around. I I feel I project like nine, eight, nine, ten. So I think maybe just outside that top half. Uh, I don't like it personally. I don't trust it. He's only had one really full healthy year. Uh, but I don't hate the pick. I like the upside in Yankee Stadium. I think that if he does play, let's just say he plays 159 games again, I think the home run total does go up because there is such a difference in dimensions between the two parks um you know the runs in rbi nick this time i looked and uh i i overlaid his his uh fly balls actually all his his batted balls in yankee stadium and he would have at most if you nudge it really would have gotten one more home run every batted ball in 2017 because his power is ridiculous when he makes contact it's gone in every park in the major leagues yeah, yeah, but he, but now he also has has like the ultimate protection in Aaron Judge. So and he's going to see a lot of fastballs. So uh, he didn't really have that in Miami. I mean, Ozuna was great last year, but he's no Aaron Judge. Uh, you know, putting these power hitters back to back is they're going to complement each other, and I think it's sky's the limit for both of them this year. Uh, so I, I I like him. I just still I don't. The only knock I have against him is the injuries. Okay, I mean, I think we're somewhat splitting hairs in terms of first half of the first round, back half of the first round. I have him in the back half of the first round. But l- let me ask you guys this. Are you increasing his power projection? Yeah. And by uh, how many home runs? Yeah, if he plays 159, I think he could hit like 63, 64, possibly 65 home runs. Okay. Uh, I'm- That's a lot. I'm. I originally had him as a 45 run, 45 home run player. And I upped his projection to 50 based upon this move. So I gave him five extra home runs based upon this. Um, and Joe, you're not moving it. And Nick, you're being that he hit 59 last year, I guess you're giving him five or six. Yeah. Ste- oh. Steamer has him at 55 in 146 games. So Well, that's very impressive because Steamer is historically very conservative. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to Shohei Otani. Uh, currently going as 79.5 overall, the 20th starting pitcher off the board, according to Fantrax ADP. Signed with the Angels, and it was revealed he was dealing with a grade one, the lowest um, severity UCL sprain. He received a plasma-rich platelet injection in October. How high do you have him ranked among the starting pitchers? And in terms of his play appearances, since he's a two-way player, are you over or under 300 plate appearances? Joe, you could take this first. So definitely under 300 plate appearances. Um, I think they'll try it out. Give me uh, a rough number. Uh, 
what what actually wait, what did we just say? Three hundred? Three hundred, yeah. Uh uh one seventy five at most. I think okay. they dabble with it. Um and then they just realize that he's a much better pitcher and uh we're not trying to lose a valuable pitcher, so we're not gonna run him out there. Um as far as where I have him ranked, um I I don't I haven't actually finished my starting pitching ranks yet. But Boo. I imagine I imagine um I imagine somewhere in the mid twenties, I think t- 20 is probably a little bit high. Uh, some wow. of the other names around him are Quintana, Paxton, Arietta. That's really high. Yeah, yeah, that's, go, ahead. go ahead. No, that's that's probably too high f- for me. Actually, in fact, I mean, Luis, Kis- Luis Castillo at 29, Luke Weaver at 30. I mean, that's probably where I'd, I'd put him. Okay. Well, let me first shame you because it's December 20th. How do you not have your starting pitcher ranks done? <laughs> I'm, I'm bad. I have him. I have him just outside the top twenty. I have him at twenty-one. Wow, you're nuts! And that was after the UCL news broke because I originally had him at eighteen. Oh, wow. um, listen, he's got the velocity. He's got the arsenal. He's got deception. He's got the fact that the league doesn't have a book on him. Um, he's got a pitcher's park with the best defensive shortstop in baseball behind him, and they recently signed one of the other best defensive shortstops to play third base. Uh, obviously, I'm extremely high on Otani, and um, I have his plate appearances at 270. Um, so I obviously think that he's going to hit, you know, two, three days a week for most of the season. I have his innings at about 165, which matches his career high in Japan. Um, yeah, I, I, I think this guy is the real deal. I think he's going to come over and do it right away. All right, well – I, I'm completely – I'm very far from you guys. I have him inside my top 50, and I have him – Okay, so you're not getting him. Can you, you, can might you as well have him names around, around who you got? I have everyone you could imagine in front of him. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. I, I'm taking Jordan Montgomery ahead of, ahead of him, okay? Um, well, I like Jordan that, Montgomery that, a lot, but – yeah, I That's... love him. Forget it. He's like my favorite pitcher in baseball. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I have Zach Gottlieb ahead. I have a lot of guys ahead of him. But let's not let's not, I, w- I wanna just make a quick point. Um so the problem that I have with the injury, because I've I, I had him a right around 35, 37, I believe was my ADP before the injury. Now I have him at 45. And the reason is all right, so he has this UCL injury, and apparently it's something that, yeah, he had a shot for it and it can improve. The issue that I have, and the reason why he worries me more than uh, Tanaka and what Tanaka dealt with when he when he came is that he is going to rely on his velocity when he comes into this league. That's fair. He doesn't, he doesn't really have that much. I, I I haven't seen it. Maybe you have, Pat, but I haven't seen great breaking stuff from him. Have you? Yes. Okay. So what I saw from him was really good movement on on fastballs. I saw that. I, I told you last time the rising fastball looked really great, but I didn't see a true. Uh, you know, third or fourth pitch. I kind of just saw like one or two pitches in his arsenal. And that was it. I believe I saw a changeup. That looked good. That was it. Um, but the UCL with the way he throws is an issue for me. As far as at bats, me and Joey talked about this as well. He's to me, he at that eighty raw power is a complete lie. Somebody's trying to make money. That's a lie. Yeah. He is. He. he yeah. He's. He. He has a short swing. He kind of looks like Ichiro a little bit. He swings out of the box. I agree. A hundred percent. I mean, he looks like every other Japanese hitter that's come by. Yeah. Exactly. But. Whoa! But, whoa, you know, he, but, whoa! 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 
let's not generalize, guys. Come on. No, 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 no. I, but I do think <laughs> you can obviously see you can't you can't say that he's a power hitter. Looking at that swing, you just can't. Um, so as far as at bats, I think he'll, he may get around 125. The angels seem to like that. They want to win and they want to sell tickets. So maybe they give him a little bit more. I don't know, but I, I don't trust him at all. I, I, and I, I'm not on the train. I'm just completely off the train. Okay. So, I mean, everybody's got their flavor here. I mean, I'm obviously very high on him. Joe's middle of the road. Nick, you're completely out. All right, yeah. let's move to D. Gordon. Uh, currently 33.33 in terms of ADP, which traded to Seattle, is going to try his hand at playing center field because they've got Cano entrenched at second base. Does the move to center and gaining of out- outfield eligibility do anything for his value? I, I'm, I'm going to start with this one because I am a – I'm a D Gordon lover. I've like always loved this guy in fantasy. I always feel like every year at some point I like look at him to trade for him, but his somebody, people just hold his value a lot higher than others. That's just it. And every league in every year, there's half the league that loves the fact that D Gordon is going to get bat 300 and get you 60 steals. And there's half the league who are like, yeah, but he has no power and there's really not much else. Um, The way I look at it is this. If you look at all the other guys who have gotten steals recently and have gotten you the average recently, let's just say like Jonathan VR. Let's just use him as an example. There's a there's been a lot of jo- Jonathan VRs year to year. You've had your Ben Revere's, you had your VRs, you had your Rajai Davises, your guys that come and go. But with him, he's a consistent sixty. You could close your eyes and and at the end of the season, you're looking at at least fifty stolen bases in a full year, a, a nice nice strong average. He did that all in the National League on a, on on bad offenses in the past as well. He finds himself on one of the best. Well, offenses. last year, last year, not, not was no, good. last year was good. You're right, but in in years past, like his MVP year 2014, there really wasn't much going on there. Um, but now he finds himself on this really good offense. He's behind his speedster. Uh, the, the, the lineup is loaded. I, I just I just think that. I know the other day we I kind of said I didn't like the ADP, but now I'm starting to come around. Like he's a nice bet, second base outfield to just do what you drafted him for, and that's get you steals, get you the good average, and get you runs. I I, I could take and based on team comp, if it, it depends on if you could take the hit in in power or not. But if you drafted low home run guys, your first couple of picks, then stay away. It's it's really based on your team comp, but I like the pick. I should add that in 2014, D. Gordon won the Nick Ligatino MVP award. Well, he was he running for the MVP. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was going to say, I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, he was batting like three something, like the whole year. He was batting like 370. Like yeah, the first so, so he, won, he won the Nick Ligatino MVP award. He won the Nick Ligatino first right. half MVP. All right, all right, all right. right. So um, I know we talked about this uh, off the air. I just want to mention this again on the air. Um, so the only gripe I really have with D. Gordon, and it's actually a big one, is that you're in this environment in 2017 and 2016 or and 2018 coming up, you're pretty much sitting with a zero in home runs at a position, and that puts you at a huge deficit um, to, to kind of hawk what, what Nick just said, that it is very roster dependent. And I think at 33, you don't know what your roster is yet. So it's a huge risk taking D Gordon um, as far as answering the question. Yeah, sure. Outfield eligibility, eligibility increases his value, but um, I think he is who he is. 
Yeah, I, I think it helps a little bit. And I would echo your sentiments, Joe, and I would just add, you don't know what your team looks like, and you also don't know what the room looks like. Um, so you could end up reaching up and taking Gordon early and finding that the room is not as speed crazed as um, you might have expected, and then you've overpaid for somebody that um, you could have gotten two or three rounds later because the room isn't trying to chase steals. Um, it does seem as though that's the general movement that's out there very early in the process. People are very, very high on steals. Um, I think you're going to find that this podcast is not. Mm-hmm. Um, but- I am. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Good. That's why we like having a three-man booth, so that way we get some uh, dissenting opinions. Before you move on, I just want to say one thing. So you look at 2017's top five stolen base guys, which is what I'm looking at right now. Right, you D. Gordon, Billy Hamilton, Trey Turner, Whit Merrifield, Cameron Maven. Who's the safest guy out of that to not kill your team and get you steals? The guy. I'd actually argue. Yeah. Go ahead, Joe. I think um, me and you are thinking the same thing. It, it pains me to say it, but it might be Turner. Yeah. Well, no. Turner's ADP is extremely high. I actually was going to say Whit Merrifield. Oh, okay. Yeah, at the, at the ADP. Because he's on a bad team, so he's going to run. It's just a matter of whether or not he's going to keep the team's power. Yo, I he's going to hit for a decent average. Everyone loves Merrifield. I know, he's so good. <laughs> All right, we can move on. Okay, right, yeah, let's move to Marcelo Zuna. Uh, 43.13, lots of Marlins, or ex-Marlins. Traded to St. Louis for Sandy Alcantara, Magnaris Sierra, Zach Gallen, and Daniel Castano. Ozuna had a true breakout last year. Are you buying like the Cardinals did? Yeah, Joe. Uh, I'm pretty sure we all love him, and we all loved him for a while, and we were all ex- expecting. Uh, uh, kind uh, of. We were all, well where he was going. I mean, he was going at like 200, 150. I mean, it's not like he was expensive. Mm-hmm. But he we, all, we all, us. we'll put it that we, way. Yeah, we all didn't. We all didn't know when when he was going to break out. So now that he broke out, um, 41 his ADP. I don't know if you mentioned that, Pat, but 41 is expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I still like the player, but. I, I, I just can't help but feel like someone like Domingo Santana, who's a lot like Ozuna, is probably going 150 or 100 picks later. I'm not actually sure. I don't have the ADP in front of no, me. No, you're wrong. Um, I don't have Santana's ADP in front of me, but I do know that it's like a top 25 outfielder price. So wow. you're looking around okay. maybe 40 picks later. Okay. All right. Well, then maybe, maybe this isn't. Isn't a bad price for Azuna. Well, um, I'm going to jump in. So, I, listen, I, yeah, I sure. like the player. La- last year before the season started, I had him as a guy, a mystery guy, where we just don't know when it's going to happen. We kind of think it's going to happen one day. We just don't know. You know, but if you look at 2015 to last year, it was kind of a, a slow build, and then he, abs- you know, he absolutely went crazy. Um, the walk rate went up a lot, 9.4%. I think a lot of these numbers could be inflated because he was batting around Stanton. Um, Going to the Cardinals, that lineup right now is – it's it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. There's not much power there. Uh, You don't know if Tommy Pham could do it again if he's real. You've got Dexter Fowler, Yadier Molina around him. I don't know if the opportunity is going to be there for Ozuna. 
Uh, I do like him as a player, but I think that the ADP at the end of the day is going to be uh, too high. I think people are going to be buying his career year, and I'm kind of staying away. I think he could revert back to a mid-20s home run hitter, uh, 275-ish average, and the counting stats I don't think will be there on this team. I think it's a neutral move in terms of where he was versus where he is. Um, I'm a bit higher on the Cardinal lineup. I, I do understand Nick's concerns, though, um, but with respect to Azuna, the player, because uh, he's definitely got power in his swing, but he's got a little bit of a ground ball profile, um, and he doesn't lift the ball in the air as much as a traditional power hitter. And that kind of cuts both ways. Um, you know, if. He gets in the room with Matt Carpenter, and Matt Carpenter tells him, "Listen, you hit thirty bombs, hitting the ground, hitting ground balls, two for one. It's not two for one, but you understand what I'm saying. Um, if you put the ball in the air more, you have a shot at forty. Suddenly, Ozuna is a fir- is close to a first round talent. Um, but th- it also swings the other way, where if he continues where he's going, and he doesn't hit the ball in the air as much." Some of those balls might not leave the park like they did last year, and he suddenly is what Nick said, a guy that hits 270 with 25 bombs, and you expended a fourth-round pick on him. Um, I, I, I would put him in the fifth round, um, which is not a huge downgrade from where he's going, uh, but people like the Cardinals, and they tend to overspend for them. So I, I don't think I would end up with him with that rating. Um I just want to add from our convert from earlier in our conversation, Domingo Santana is going at ADP 68.8. Wow. So the market is very high on Domingo Santana. Yeah. Um, okay. So as a, as a follow-up question to these three, uh, that being Stanton, Gordon and Ozuna, what does that mean for the remaining Marlins? And before you guys elaborate, it, this, this question might have a simple answer is, do we just have to wait and see who is actually on the Marlins before we uh, weigh in on that? Weigh in on that. Well, Jeter is catching a lot of heat right now. I don't know if anybody watched that meeting, but I he did. got he got absolutely roasted. <laughs> I don't think he's going to move Christian Yelich. Honestly, I, I just he's think not. He, he's not. Yeah, and um, and I don't know Ludo isn't going to go either. Yeah, and listen, I, you know what? The lineup really isn't that bad. I mean, you've got Castro, who I love. You got Yelich. You got Bohr. <laughs> Um, what do you? Why are you yelling? Why are you laughing? I'm not laughing. I just don't agree. It's pretty uh, it's, bad. It's it's no. It would be top heavy. Is is the correct way to put it? I think. Well, you got Martin Prado. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> good old good, good old Martin. Hey, you got a good old Martin Prado. You got good old Josh Riddle. Come on, you love a little Josh. You, got, you got, love a little Josh Riddle. Um, Riddle. No, it, yeah, to, uh, all the top heavy. On the top heavy is an under <laughs> pretty. It's pretty bad. I think that Austin Dean uh, might be on the lineup at some point too. Uh, but uh, I think that Yelich, it, 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 that's the guy that I guess we're talking about here because the other guys aren't that fantasy relevant. Um, well, we're going to talk about like Rio Muto tonight. Rio Muto is definitely fantasy relevant. Yeah, I know. Listen, I was going to say, uh, Yelich is definitely fantasy relevant. Rio Muto, uh, for a catcher that could get you 10 steals, maybe a little bit more and give you a decent average, double-digit pop, he's also very good. But I think the whole lineup is obviously going to take a hit and runs in RBIs because they lost two of their best hitters. But uh, they're still going to produce. Okay, Joe, what do you think? 
Uh, I'm actually more worried from a morale standpoint, and I was saving this for Real Mudo, but I guess I'll just say it now. Um, I think Yelich and Real Mudo are both very unhappy, audibly unhappy. Um, and I'm just concerned that their their heads are not going to be in the game. I mean, I know they're professionals, they're, they're athletes, they're going to try, but I mean, something like this can definitely mess with you. You know, when when uh, the team turns its back on you and now all of a sudden you're surrounded by guys that aren't nearly as capable as Stanton and Ozuna. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if there was some sort of effect on Yelich and Realmuto in that regard. As as far as Castro, uh, I don't think he's particularly fantasy relevant. Um, yeah, so that's well, right. Well, in leagues with an MI spot, I think he is. Yeah. Well, it definitely hurts him. For sure. Yeah, leaving Yankee Stadium and going to Marlins Park, where with a depleted lineup is is definitely not a plus move. Um, in terms of a real baseball perspective, I think the people that went after Jeter today did a disservice to the franchise. I think they should trade Yelich and Rio Mudo because they've gone down this road now, and they don't really have much to show for it. And those are the two guys they can get something for. So. I think the situation got made worse today, not better. Oh my God, Yelich! What do you? Every, who wouldn't want Yelich? What? What? Exactly. Want well, yeah, exactly. That's that's it. my point. Right, you can get a great return for him. Oh, you hell get a great yeah. Return for him right now. Four hell years yeah. control. Hell yeah. Real Muto's twenty-seven. He's a plus defensive catcher, and he's he's good Boston offensively. Needs a catcher. You can get whatever you want for those two guys. They they should just sell off and just deal with the backlash, but. They won't. Ooh, Yelich, Yelich to the Giants. Ooh, no, that would be terrible for Yelich's fancy value. But okay, let's not <laughs> yeah, let's not get sidetracked. for the Giants. Okay, all right. So joining Otani in in Anaheim, as I mentioned, is Ian Kinsler and Zach Cozart. Just very quickly, who, who do you like better, the reliable but aging Kinsler, Cozart? Oh, it's it's not even close. It's Ian Kinsler. Well, wow. their ADP I says. Actually like Cozart. Okay, well let's let, let, let me just say this. Their ADP is nearly identical. Kinsler is at 216, and Cozart is at 213. Well, the last time that Ian Kinsler did not hit for double-digit pop and speed was 2010. What a surprise. 10-10 so, wins. 10-10 wins. So uh, I owned Cozart last year, so um, I'm not totally impartial. But uh, he'll get he'll get dual eligibility, right? He'll get third base eligibility. He and will I think get third base because he's going to play third base. Yeah. And I think some of his gains were real, like uh, his walk rate, and he cut down the case. And uh, even if he doesn't hit home runs at the same rate, he's still a pretty nice player. And the only big thing is he's got injury concerns, but I mean, Kinsler's got age concerns. Dude, so no. This is this is incomparable. You cannot compare the two. He, Cozart is giving you virtually no speed, and yeah, That's he true, 20... but, but but I think the home run the home run pop might be real. All right, what pop? That he hit twenty four home runs last year. Who didn't hit twenty four home runs last year? Ian Kinsler. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen. I'll break the tie, and uh, I'm actually going to go Kinsler. Um, Listen, I think Kinsler is improving his surroundings from where they would have been in Detroit. I, I like that Angels lineup for him. He's going to hit at the top behind Trout, Justin Upton, Cole Calhoun, etc. cetera. Uh, I think he's going to score another 100 runs this year if he stays healthy, and he could be a 2015 guy in terms of homers and steals, and I don't think that's a reach. 
Now he does have that floor in terms of age. The bottom could completely drop out. But at a 200-plus pick price, I'm not that worried about investing in him because the upside is pretty substantial. A 2015 270, 280 hitter with 100 runs is a valuable commodity. I don't see that upside in terms of Cozart. I think Cozart's going to be a guy that's going to hit towards the bottom of the order. He's leaving Cincinnati, which is a smaller ballpark for a much bigger ballpark. He's got the injury concerns. The only plus in Cozart's column in terms of when I look at the two is is that Cozart's got shortstop. And I think shortstop's a bit more scarce than second base. Um, But when I look at these two players, I I definitely think I want Kinsler. Kinsler's my guy. Um, So, Joe, sorry, man. Yeah, I just want to be on the record as saying I don't dislike Kinsler. Okay. And and I also want to acknowledge, yes, Cozart did make some changes, and there is the possibility the power sticks. I just think the ballpark's going to take some of those homers away. So I think he's like an 18-homer guy. Overall, I think either of these guys are, are pretty pretty fair value here. It's not like these these are like I think Cozart's prices. about right. I think Cozart's about right. I think Kinsler. Yeah. I'm really high on Kinsler. I think Kinsler might be like 80 picks too low. What's the ADP? 216. What? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, that's 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 actually really good. I will yeah. take him in the ninth round. I might, like I'm not even joking. <laughs> All right, me and Nick are going to be in a bidding war for Ian Kinsler. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Carlos Santana, 175.6. Oh, is now a my Philly. God, this is so good. <laughs> All right, well, value up, down, and same. <laughs> Go ahead, Joe. So you can... far up, Pat. You did the analysis. Oh, my God. The upside is is definitely close did to Did you look at it? Did you look at yeah, the part I did, overlay? I did. It's It's all right, no, can, can I please overlay. say it? I want to go. I want to go on record as yeah. being the first person to say yeah. this. Yeah. If you look at the park overlay from Santana's profile from last year to this year, he if he played every game in Philadelphia, he would have had twenty more home runs. Twenty more. We're talking it like thirty-eight, thirty-nine home runs. Completely ridiculous. Um, and in terms of, and it's not even just in terms of power. I mean, Santana's a guy with a fly ball profile, and not only will some of his balls leave the park next year, which is always a good thing, but it's going to up his average, which is the biggest issue this guy has had is poor BABIPs and poor batting averages. And the balls that don't leave the yard might turn into doubles. Um, you know, they might be wall shots, and. He he has a shot now, I think, to legitimately hit 265, 270 on the regular with 30-plus bombs. And if he's going to do that, he should be going 100 picks higher, I think. I mean, do you guys disagree with me? What's his ADP right now? 175. Oh, my goodness. Yes. There's no way he's lasting that long in our draft. No, not a chance. I mean, especially in OBP and OPS formats. Forget about it. I mean, this guy has a shot. I mean, to me, this guy has a shot to be Edwin Encarnacion in terms of what he does. I mean, he doesn't strike out. So, and he walks a ton too. So, I, I, I might be missing something here. And I and this act, ADP actually went down. 
Like, he lost value going to Philadelphia. Indians are good and the Phillies are bad, but... But are the I don't Phillies think the bad? analysis ends like bad. going on. Oh, double, oh, double, oh, double. Ten. <laughs> oh, double, oh, double, oh, double. I love Odubo. Okay, Nick, why don't you chime in here? Me and Joe have just been spewing over this Yeah, game. you know, there are certain guys in fantasy that you just don't like. For some reason, like Pat didn't like DeAndre Hopkins in football this year, and I'm going to beat him this week in the championship with him. Oh, my God. I was uh, waiting for that. Sometimes, that. sometimes there's just that guy that you don't like, and Santana is that guy that I don't like. Uh, one thing I could never deal with is guys who hit for low average. He did it for a while. So it scared me away, and I'll never be a guy that owns Santana. Great. The, 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 the research that you did is really interesting, and that's phenomenal if he hits 40 home runs, but I won't be the one that owns him, and that will profit from it. So, Well, let me, let me ask you this. Okay, so Joe and I have gone on the record saying we think the ADP is ridiculous. If you could get him in what is the – Fifteenth round. No. Yo, what? I don't like him. I don't wow. want him. That's amazing. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. That was my that was my question. Okay. So let's move on to the guy that's replacing Santana. Who's? Uh, we must be the first ones to report this in, a, in an actual podcast. Uh, <laughs> as of ten o'clock tonight, Yonder Alonso going to Cleveland. Mm. Alonso broke out last year with twenty-eight homers. Let's just do a very simple over-under. 23 home runs for Alonzo. Over. 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 Okay, very yeah, briefly, what do you think of the fit? Uh, I'm going to say this. I've always liked Yonder Alonzo, and like you said, like Pat said earlier, okay. I was Nick, eight, eight years Nick, too late. Nick, hot, hot button. Hot take. Alonzo or Santana? Ugh. Alonzo. Okay. I would completely disagree, but I know I do like Alonzo here. I, I that park is very good for lefty power. Uh, he made real changes last year. He kept some of the walks. He struck out a little more. I can live with that because it's much better to be a 260 hitter hitting nearly 30 bombs than it is to be a 280 hitter in nine. Yeah. Um, Joe, any thoughts you have? Uh, just that the the power is real. It's well documented. He changed his swing. Yep. Okay. All right. So after the Cardinals acquired Ozuna, they then shipped Steven, Steven Piscotty oh. with an ADP of 303.93 to Oakland. We were big Piscotty fans last year, and we've been big Piscotty fans. Um, did his down year in 2017 turn you off, or are you buying at what is a – Extremely cheap price. Of course, I'm buying. Of it's Italian cookies. I mean, how could you not buy Steven Piscotti? The guy's just a god amongst men. And one day, me and Pat <laughs> will say, "We told you so." We don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. Um, yeah, I, I'm a huge Piscotti guy. I think that, and this, uh, one thing I've I've said about him last year before the season started. We didn't see it last year because he was dinged up a lot. Is I think that his speed is very, very underrated. I don't know if you guys have watched the Cardinals last year, but when he hits his stride, he's gone. Um, I think he's a guy who could at some point uh, go for 2015, maybe 25-15, maybe even get close to 30 and steal close to 20. 
hit 30 home runs? Yeah. Nah, no way. Uh, listen, he's still he's got to change something. Listen, he's only tw- he's only 26 years old. Yeah, he needs he, a swing change. To, he's only to hit 30. He's, he's only 26 years old. He did hit 22 in in his second, well, his first real full year in the in the major leagues. Uh, we liked the walk rate last year at 13%. He doesn't strike out that much. He's a great contact hitter, and you know he's he's a, he's got a wide frame. I, I I just I just think eventually this guy could be the real deal. Uh, as far as this year on the A's, I know it's a tough ballpark, but uh, he'll ha- he'll have his chance. And if he stays healthy and plays 150 plus, you're looking at regardless that he's in Oakland now. I think you're looking at 20 home runs, uh, over 10 steals, and a, a nice healthy average and a good walk rate. If they slap if they slap him towards the top of the lineup, uh, which I'm not sure they will, but if they do, then he could be like a really nice Christian Yelich light. Um, if not though, uh, I mean, sure, like 20, 20 home runs, eight steals is nice, and the batting average is always going to be good. He's got a great hit tool. Um, it's just kind of whatever. Um. I don't think I like him as much as you guys, but at 300 and 300 plus, I mean, you got to roll the dice. See, I, I think I comp him to peak Alex Gordon. That's a good comp like, too. You know, low 20s power, uh, low teen speed, good on, average, Pat, good on base skills. Up, Scotty. No, I'm not bailing. I'm, I'm on him. I, I think that this is actually a good move for him. Because, I mean, for the people that aren't aware, I mean, not only was he injured last year, but he had some personal issues. The guy is from the Bay Area. Um, his mother was diagnosed with a- with ALS. Um, so the Cardinals, after they acquired Azuna, shipped him out to Oakland. He's going to be close to home. Um, that might, you know, help him be at ease with what is going on, or at least, uh, you know, being closer to home might help him um, in terms of being able to produce um, and, and not being so far away. And then you get a clean bill of health mixed in with that. This is a guy that had a 850 OPS through his first, hmm. you know, two years in the bigs. Um, no, I'm not bailing on him in any ma- in, 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 in any way. I, I still think there is upside beyond that. But I, I wouldn't say that it's coming this year. I, I, but I, I still think if he goes – if he hits 280 – uh, with 24 bombs and 10 steals and is either in the middle or at the top of that lineup, which he will be, um, he's going to be fine. He's he's going to return that price and more. Uh, you know, I mean, this is, this is a, this is a steal to me. And, and this is a guy that, again, I mean, if you just watch him play, he's a professional hitter. And as Joe indicated, you know, he needs a swing change in order to tap into that upside that me and you are hitting at. And that's correct. But he's going to the right place if he needs a swing change. I don't know. He made a lot of good contact in St. Louis. He was hitting a shit, a shit ton of doubles, and I don't know. I think yeah, but it's the trans- ground balls is the problem, Nick. It's the it's the ground ball fly ball mix is the problem. Well, and the other thing is, listen, th- and there Oakland's is- the place because Oakland will look at the numbers and say, "Listen, you have to generate more lift." Beep boop beep boop. Listen, let's let real quick. Let's just say he gets to the two spot, right? Which I think is it would be his bread and butter. I think that's where he'd be most useful and and to bat second in that lineup. If you have Chris Davis and let's say Matt Olson pans out this year, you got a lot of power behind him. 
You got Lowry and Simeon on the team. It's really not that bad of a lineup. And you got Chad, Chad Pinder. It's it's really not that bad of a lineup. Yeah, Chad Pinder. <laughs> but, but again, right? Like, if you asked me up, until you said Chad Pinder. Listen, if he's yeah, up there, I like him. If he's up there, then uh, again, he's like he's like Christian Yelich light. He's going to score a ton of runs because he's always on base. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's a fair point. It's what, a it's what, a good comp. What's the ADP? A billion. Oh three. Oof, um, come to Papa. If you want him, you can have him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take him. All right, let's move to the Dodgers acquiring Matt Kemp mm. for Brandon McCarthy, Scott Casimir, Adrian Gonzalez, and Charlie Culberson. Uh, Atlanta is acquiring those players. So, does anybody interest you here? Uh, Matt Kemp, duh. Well, let me just let me just tell you, Kemp's ADP is two thirty three point six four, and there have been reports that the Dodgers have no interest in keeping him. He is either going to be traded or released. Okay. Uh, well, he's listen. Regardless, he will be signed somewhere. He's going to play next year. Yeah, and that's definitely whether, true. Whether it's in L.A. or it's in Timbuktu. I am interested in Matt Kemp. Uh, he is a year away from hitting 35 bombs and batting 268. Uh, last year, he had—I don't know if you guys remember when he got to the Braves when 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 he when he started with the Braves, he was ridiculous off the charts. He was absolutely crushing the ball, and he started getting dinged up again because that's his that's his thing. He then started to decline, but if Matt Kemp could give you a full season. Let's just say he went to the Red Sox. Let's just say, or whatever, or not a crazy team like that, a, me, a medium team. Let's say he went to the Angels. I, he's if he plays 150 games, he's a lock. Where for, is he going to play? I'm just giving uh, whoever pick a team. <laughs> the Mets. He goes to the Mets. What about Matt, okay? Where is he going to play? He plays San Francisco. Wherever. Okay, goes to France, San Francisco. Wherever. If he plays 150 games, he's a lock. In my opinion, to get around that thirty home run mark, and for a guy that's going in the nether rounds, it's a good return in value. I am. I always like Matt Kemp. Don't be afraid of the old time, and he will produce. I mean, thirty-five home runs is definitely the outlier because the last time he hit thirty before that is two thousand eleven, and he's done it twice in his career. Yeah, he changed his game, though. He it, Listen, the average isn't as high as it used to be. He's not trying to make contact at the ball over the field. He doesn't he's have to, 34 he, years he doesn't old. Have to anymore. He's changed his swing, and he's swinging for more power. That's what he did the last couple of seasons. That's what he's going to continue to do. Yeah, I'm not really interested in anyone. Okay. That's fine. Um. All right, so in terms of Kemp, I think he has to go to an AL team because I think he has to DH. Um. And I think he's like a 270 guy with, you know, high 20s power, which is ownable but unexciting in this in this time. So, you know, I mean, if you're picking in the late 200s and he's still on the board and he's gone to an AL team where he's going to get playing time, yeah, sure. I think he's like the perfect guy for a rebuilding team like the White Sox or Miami to take a shot on. Um, provided that the Dodgers pay most of his salary. Because then if he gets off to a hot start and you can flip him to a team that needs 
you know, some some punch at the deadline. Um, I also think Brendan McCarthy is interesting. Um, I don't have his ADP, so his price is free. Uh, I think he could be useful as a last starter uh, in a deep mixed league. Uh, he's obviously got an extensive injury history, um, so he's no sure thing to stay healthy, but it's an NL ballpark. Um, and if his velocity is where it needs to be, I think that he can return that value. He was pretty decent last year when he did pitch. Do you guys have any thoughts on McCarthy very quickly? Uh, I'm not really interested. He doesn't strike guys that much strike out guys as much as he used to at all. Um, I'm, he, to me, it's just, he, he just take up a roster spot. Yeah. He's an innings eater. Yeah. Okay. All right. This is another guy we've probably moved through very quickly. Mitch Moreland resigned with the Red Sox. His, his ADP is plus 400 with 23, 23, 22, 22 homers over the last four seasons, mostly full seasons, I should say. Um, and a career 252 average, Moreland is what he is, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, any thoughts on what the Red Sox will do with Hanley Ramirez? Joseph? Uh, I don't know. I mean, well, I mean they, they have the DH, right? Yeah, they can't put him in the outfield. But they've been connected to J.D. Martinez and the like. So yeah. do you think they're just out and they're going to roll what they have? Or do you think that there might be a trade in the works at some point? I mean, if they get J.D., then they're going to have to move someone. Well, that's but, uh, that's that's what I'm asking. So what do you yeah. think they're going to do? It's just it's a very simple question. Top of your head. I Go. think they'll stay put. Nick? Yeah, I think he remains a Red Sox this year. Okay. All right. A player that was traded today, the Rays traded Evan Longoria, 197.73. That's his ADP. To San Francisco for a package of players that include Christian Arroyo and Denard Spand. First, value up, down, or the same for Longo? Uh, I think it's kind of the same. Um, and I actually think it could be up a little bit. Uh, this is a team... I actually like the lineup, and we the pitching looks the, the the rotation is pretty good. Uh, this is a team that. Well, wait. Let me let me just let me just interrupt you. Do you like the lineup now, or do you like the lineup now with improvements? Really now? Yeah. See, I don't like it now. I like yeah, it I based upon what I think they're going to do. Well. Listen, yeah, they got to get Kane or something in there. Well, you listen. You got you have belt. And you have Posey. Posey. Yeah. All right. I think I I think Brandon Crawford's gonna have somewhat of a bounce back year. Um. You know Pence, whether he's in or I don't know if Pence is really that useful anymore. But uh, I like the idea of having Posey in front of him, who's gonna get on base a ton, and Belt behind him, who I don't know. I still believe in Brandon Belt. I call me crazy every year. I believe in Belt and. I just think at one at some point he's going to have this real big breakout season, but I don't know. It's 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 almost close to time to abandon ship. Uh, but I like the team. I like the I like I like I like the move. I, obviously, more of a baseball move. This is a huge improvement for the lineup. Uh, as far as fantasy, I, I think it uh, is a boost for him because he's playing for something. This is a team that can compete this year for a World Series. Uh, he's got a fresh start. 
Tampa's had their struggles over the last God 50 years. So uh, this could give him something to play for. And I think Longo could be in for a nice year in San Francisco. The ballpark sucks. Joe. Uh, So um, I, I I think, uh, I think the Rays lineup last year and Nick, I know you agree that I think it was pretty good considering that Susa and Dickerson kind of had, Kind of had like career years. Well, not maybe not Dickerson, but Souza definitely did. So it's not well, Dickerson. I was, I was about to say was Joe, amazing. Corey Dickerson didn't have a career year. So it, it's it's not like it's it's right now. It's not like the the lineup is a significant improvement. I think I agree with Pat that if they make some improvements, um, it'll help. But at the end of the day, I'm not really sure if even if they do make improvements, if it's going to be a huge increase to Longoria's value. I think he is what he is. Yeah, I think it's about the same. Um, the ballpark is a little worse, um, although it's not, you know, the death knell that it is for left-handed power uh, for righties. Man, um, I think the lineups at the end of the day will be roughly the same. I expect San Francisco to add at least one other hitter to this uh, to this lineup, and. You know, I think it's going to be a quality bat, eh? whether it's Lorenzo Cain, whether it's Jay Bruce, whatever. Um, I, I think it's going to be a better lineup than it was last year. I just think last year was a worst-case scenario for uh, the Giants. Okay, second, um, do you see any value in Arroyo or Span? Quick. Uh, Span, another guy, he definitely is what he is. Uh, Arroyo, I don't know. He was highly rated on – all the prospect list, but doesn't intrigue me. I don't see power. I don't see much speed. Uh, I'm just not crazy about him. I don't know. I, I, you guys, I think you like the return. I'm not quite sure why. Uh, no on Span and Arroyo. He's a better real life player than he is a fantasy player. Yep, agreed. That was why I liked it. Um, I do think that Arroyo can develop some power um, down the line. I just don't see it this year. But I think, again, Tampa is the kind of place you want to go to if approached to become a more valuable player because that's where a lot of players go and they get better. Um, You know, a lot of fringe guys, they learn how to pull the ball, hit the ball in the air. So, I mean, I could see Arroyo developing into a 20-homer guy that's got good plate discipline and doesn't swing and miss, miss much, and suddenly he is very valuable. But I don't think it's coming this year. Um, okay, starting pitchers in the in the news. Let's pick one to discuss, um, and I will kick it off once I read the list. Chad Green of the Yankees, apparently converting to a stop, starter, possibly. Mike Miner, signed with Texas, also converting, probably. Doug Fister, signed with Texas, he's going to start. Miles Mikolas, uh, signed with St. Louis, back from Japan. Tyler Chatwood of the Cubs. And a new one as of tonight, Jehuli Chassin signing with Milwaukee. Okay, the guy I want to talk about is Tyler Chatwood. Um, he might have been my favorite free agent sleeper amongst the pitchers. He's got a heavy ground ball rate. Um, he's got a good pitch mix in terms of the variety of pitches that he throws. And his numbers 
were inflated by pitching in cores. Um, he's got significant home roads, home, home and road splits. Um, he goes to a great situation for ground ball tendencies. Cubs have a great infield defense, Rizzo, Bryant, Russell, Baez. Um, that's amongst the strongest infield defenses in Major League Baseball. Um, the walks are always going to be an issue, but I'm hopeful that some of the walk issue was the result of pitching in less than ideal conditions. And I understand the walk rate carried over to when he was away, but you almost have to be a different pitcher in cores um, in terms of the way you're breaking stuff works. And I'm thinking that if he can focus on how his things, how his pitches will work in Chicago, that the control will take a leap forward. And suddenly we're looking at a guy that has the capability of um, raising his strikeout rate, decreasing his walk rate, and keeping a ground ball percentage of 55% plus. And if he's going to do that, he's basically Marcus Stroman. Uh, Joe, you want to go second? Sure. Uh, so I'm going to talk about Mike Miner. Um, and really, this is uh, poo-pooing on Mike Miner and, and uh, uh, talking about why you should probably avoid him. Um, Nick, so- just a heads up, I'm going to take a brief rebuttal to Joe because – I, 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 I like think Mike yeah, yeah, so uh, Mike Miner had the huge uptick in velocity, um, mainly because he was moved to the pen. Um, as a starter in his career, he's only he only had an ERA minus or uh, a better than average ERA once in his career. Um, so I think that in large part, the improvement was due to the the gigantic velocity increase in the bullpen. I think once he gets stretches out to a starter, he'll probably fall back into what he's been for the majority of his career. He's also got a little bit of an injury history. Um, and s- some of the names going around him, uh, Carlos Rodon, Colin McHugh, uh, who else? Michael Waka, Zach Davies, uh, Stephen Matz. These are all guys I'd rather have than, than Mike Miner. Okay, first of all, as to his price, I think his price might be inflated by people expecting him to be a reliever and a potential closer. Um, As a starting pitcher, I expect his price to fall. Um, Second, he's shown a starter's arsenal as a reliever, and his uptick in velocity wasn't typical of a starting pitcher moving to a relief role. So I think his he's going to keep more of that velocity than people might expect. Um, he jumped almost four miles per hour. So I, if he if he keeps, you know, two and a half miles per hour, he's going to be at 92, 93 from the left side, and that's like 94, 95 from the right side because people just don't – see that kind of velocity from the left side. So to me, I think Miner is capable of um, possibly sticking as a starter um, and being an effective one at that. And I mean, effective these days is like, you know, eight and a half K per nine, three, eight ERA, because he's always going to have homer problems. 
Um, he's gonna have homework problems in Texas and in the AL, but I, I still think he can be a useful fantasy starter this year if that's where he ends up. Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna talk about Chad Green real quick. As a Yankee fan, I watched him a lot last year. He was absolutely lights out. Uh, I don't know if he keeps the job going into the season. I really, really hope he does because I would love to see what he could do. Uh, but out of all the guys you named, I think we could all agree that he has the highest upside, right? Everyone agrees with that? No. Okay. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, the, the K per nine last year is just absolutely the, his bread and butter. Thirteen point four three Ks per nine. That's absolutely ridiculous uh, compared to a two point two two base on balls per nine. Uh, but I, I just love green. I love the pitch mix. Uh, the fastball cutter is really nice. The slider is off the chart sometimes. Uh, I just think if he puts it all together, he could be really special. Keep your eye on him as big spring training goes along. Uh, the Yankees may make some more moves. Who knows what we're going to do. Uh, if we put him in the bullpen, if we make a move, uh, he's not guaranteed that that uh, fourth or fifth spot in the rotation. But if he does get it and he opens the year as a, a starting pitcher on this team, I don't think he loses it. I don't think he looks back. I think he turns in a really nice season, and uh, him and Montgomery will play really nice off of each other. Well, with CC signed, he's pretty much guaranteed to start in the pen. Yeah, it's just how, it's just like how far away is he? If they get someone like Derek Cole, well, now he's like two players away. So that's true. But we a lot of the guys are old, and a lot of the guys are made of glass. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So okay, let's. Since we've determined that Chad Green is a is actually a reliever, let's move to relief pitching. Nice segue. Lots of news on the relievers front. That seemed to be the entire winter meetings. Um, but we're not going to address them in detail at this time. There's a lot of moving parts. Uh, Morrow appears to be the guy in Chicago, but he could be unseated by a signing of Wade Davis or a trade. Rodney appears to be the leader in Minnesota, but... He's Fernando Rodney, right? Yeah, he's terrible. Yeah. Britain's hurt as of today, torn Achilles. Uh, we would think that Brock would be the closer, but maybe this compels Baltimore to sell. Um, you, do you guys agree that it's just too speculative at this point to really delve deep into relievers? Yeah, I, I think Brock is actually a pretty safe bet. I think what we saw what he did last year. It, it, there was a point where he was inconsistent when he had the role, but for the most part, he was lights out, and he's been lights out throughout his entire career. So I think with him, I think he's a nice stash. I'm not sure what his ADP is right now, but as the year gets closer and he does get locked into that position, which I, uh, I'm i like 75% sure he will, his ADP is going to get really, really high. I, st- I still really like Michael Gibbons too. Oh yeah, yeah I, I like I, both I, those guys. Awesome. And the other thing is, is they have Darren O'Day like tied to a huge contract. So if yeah. they want to keep Givens cheap and they can always go to who go, go to O'Day, who has been both good and it, it isn't subject to the whims of arbitration and saves. So yeah. you know, we don't know. That's what got, that's kind of my point is. When it comes to relief pitching, there's so many different factors, especially at this time of year, that we really don't know in which direction these teams are going to go. 
Yeah, Darren O'Day. The only problem is he walks guys. I I don't know if they want to keep him in that closer role. Yeah, but he didn't yeah, always walk guys. They also might. They also might just totally sell. I mean, if Machado gets moved, and yeah, once Machado talking, gets moved, all bets are off. Yeah, yeah, because he's not going to be back until you know close to or past the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. At that point, there's no utility. So you could see Britain get signed to like a two-year deal um, by, you know, some non-competing team and come back next year, build his trade value, and then get swapped. Um, yeah, I, I, I just think at this time it's too speculative to, to go in deep on relievers. Fair. Okay, so let's move to the catcher preview. Uh, Gary Sanchez is the first catcher off the board. Going at an ADP of twenty six point four, is he worthy of being the number one catcher? And do you agree with the round three price tag? Yeah, I do. Uh, I agree with it. Uh, you, you, especially considering that Buster Posey's Ben had that ADP for a while. Ben had that Posey, <laughs> Posey has had that ADP um, for the last. 100 years and it really made no sense i think this, this this obviously makes sense i mean he's a catcher who uh if he it's not can he hit 30 plus bombs like if he plays 125 games he's gonna hit it like he's just got that kind of power and he's not gonna hurt you in average uh he's a guy that last year he bet at 270 i think he could hit around 290 uh maybe even 290 plus around 295 who knows uh, he's just he's a really 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 good disciplined hitter he walks he doesn't strike out much uh, he's a little streaky that's something i don't like about him as a yankee fan but all in all he's money and you could bank on 30 plus home runs if he gets the games played Pat? Joe. oh okay all right uh, i think he's absolutely worth being the number one catcher yeah i don't even think it's a question um I, I think he's a second-round pick, though. I don't even think he's a third-round pick. Uh, catcher is, uh, as we're going to discuss tonight, a especially weak position, and this is a player that can make a very big difference for your fantasy team. He's going to get volume because he can DH, um, and he's good enough to DH. Um, he hit 33 bombs, and... Missed a month last year. Uh, he can easily go 280 with 40 bombs in, you know, 150 games played, and that is a huge advantage, especially in a Yankee lineup where he's going to get the runs and he's going to get the RBIs. Um, I, I even think that this is a guy where he's got the opportunity to tap further into his power because. He has a bit of a ground ball profile. So if he turns a few more of those ground balls into fly balls, you you know, you, you might see more balls leave the yard, especially in Yankee Stadium. Joe? Okay. Joe, any thoughts? No, no, no thoughts on uh, Yeah, I've got nothing to add. He's number one. It's easy. <laughs> round yeah, three easy. is good. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, would you take him in round two? Uh, I could, I, I'm okay with someone taking him around two catchers. Catcher gets bad quick. Nick round two. I, I wouldn't, I mean, you look at the names out of there. It's, it's just tough, but 
yeah, the, the the sexiness of the catcher having that kind of guy on your team is is attractive, but I wouldn't be able to pull the trigger. Okay. All right. Wilson Contreras is the second catcher going at 57.6. Finished, he finished at the, as the number three catcher in Yahoo Leagues last year. Do you think he can jump over number two, who is Buster Posey? Uh, yeah, I, I think he can. I mean, the lineup, the lineup is great. I, I think he's got a more upside in the power department. Um, you can kind of see it in his swing. He's still really young. He's only 25 years old. Uh, but you know, I've, I've always liked the player as a prospect and now he's, he's turning out, he's translating well, uh, as a major league player. So I think he's a guy, if, if he does get 130 games, I think he can hit 30 plus home runs as well. I think he's actually really, really similar to Gary Sanchez in a lot of ways. If you watch them side by side, which I did at the end of last year, and then I revisited it yesterday when I was doing my research for the pod. They have extremely, extremely similar swings. Uh, they both walk. They both don't strike out. All the numbers are very, very similar. Uh, but and, and Contreras only played 117 17 games last year and hit 21 home runs. I think if you give this guy 130 games, I, I think he's a lock for 25 plus. And he has a really high – his upside is just as high as Sanchez's as far as the power goes. So I really like him, and I'd rather – what what was the ADP on him, Pat? Fifty-seven point six. Yeah, I, I I don't know if I take the shot on him there as well, but I I don't mind the pick there. And That's I, round five in yeah, twelve team mixed. I, I I like the player a lot. I'm really really high on him. Yeah, so I don't think the I, I'm a huge Contreras fan. Um, I don't think the the power upside is quite Gary Sanchez. Uh, one just the player, two the ballpark. Um. But with that said, um, I think it's really all on his health. He was dinged up a little bit in 16. He was dinged up a little bit in 17. Um, if, if he is healthy, I'm with you, Nick. And I think that the reason his ADP is so high is because the experts are paying for the security of having one of these top two or three guys in, uh, in Gary Sanchez, Contreras, and Buster Posey, as we'll talk about. Um, you got to pay up for these guys, and I think they're worth it considering the state of the catcher position. But yeah, um, he's he's gonna do his thing. He's he's a he's a low to mid twenties home run guy. He'll give you a couple of steals. He won't hurt you in average. He's gonna have the counting numbers with the lineup around him, which, by the way, was a down year for pretty much everyone yeah. on the Cubs. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, so Contreras here is perfectly fine. All right. So Joe, you're 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 chalking up the lack of um, plate appearances to injury as a, as opposed to the Cubs desire for depth. Uh, a little bit of both, but yeah, he, he, he's, he's been dinged up both years. Okay. Uh, I, that's, that's one of my big issues with Contreras. My other one is the ground balls. Um, you know, I mentioned this with Sanchez and it's one of those things that again, cuts both ways. If he undergoes a little bit of a transformation, he could tap into power that's beyond what we've seen before from Contreras. But at the same time, there's also the downside where the fly balls don't leave the yard at the pace that they did last year, and then suddenly he's a 17-homer guy. Um, That said, I do have him as top three catcher. But I do like Posey more. So let's move to Posey. 
Um, okay, Buster Posey, 71.53. Uh, long reigning, the top catcher, he now comes in at number three. Does this create a value opportunity? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you asked that question very oddly. Um, yeah, I think that he uh, he definitely has value here. And in the, in the years past, we were so off the, the Buster Posey train. And now the ADP is starting to look a little nice at this point. Um, the power has gone down year to year since 2014. That's obviously a problem. But anytime you could draft a guy uh, at the catcher position that could bat 320, which is what he batted last year, there's value in that of itself. And, you know, he, he doesn't strike out. He walks a ton. He has Longoria now. Uh, the runs in RBIs are usually healthy. Last year was a big, big, big drop from 2016, where in 2016 he went 80-plus, 80-plus in runs in RBIs. Uh, I think we could see that number come back to that this year. And I think there is some upside as far as the power. I don't think he's a 12-home run hitter. Uh, I, I see him more as a guy that this year, I, I think you could pencil him in for 15 home runs in your projections. Um, 300 average. He'll get you some steals, which all of a sudden he st stole back-to-back -back six stolen base uh, years, which isn't a lot, but it is a lot for the position. Um, it's just six more steals added to your roster. Uh, and I don't know. I, I, I just, I've always liked the player. I just always hated the ADP and now the ADP is starting to roll around. I still like the player. So I'm in. Yeah. I, after doing a little bit of, of a deeper dive, um, at this price, it's good. Um, ah! I, I'm definitely concerned though about the home runs. Um, they're, they're coming down. And there's really no sign, at least from what I saw, of them miraculously turning around. Um, the walk rate's still healthy. He's always going to hit for a high average. So he's not going to hurt you really anywhere, especially for catcher. And at this price, it's significantly better than what it used to be. I mean, he used to be high 30, sometimes even in the 20s. Um, so it's 70, 70 plus. Um, I like it. I still like Contreras better, though, because of that home run potential. I knew you would come around, Joe. I knew you would. I just had to look a little bit. Yeah, I know. I, I Yeah, I, I think that this is finally where Posey belongs. And maybe he belonged a little higher back in his heyday when he, when he had the upside to hit, you know, mid-20s bombs. Um, I think now he tops out in high teens, but the batting average is really the thing. And you also have to squint a bit because much like we talked about with Longo, you kind of have to look at the lineup, how it's going to look on opening day and foresee that the Giants are going to make a move or two in terms of who they have in their outfield. Um, and when that comes, suddenly Posey's looking like a, Pretty good bet to go mid to high teens homers, an average right around 300 and 160 plus runs in RBIs. And as Nick mentioned, you know, you chip in five, six steals, and suddenly, you know, he's top end at the position in terms of, you know, fantasy production in almost every category except probably homers, but he's not a zero there. So, yeah, I, I think that now this is going to be the first year in forever 
that Posey is actually going to turn a profit in terms of where people draft him. And unlike Joe, I do have him as a uh, – I do have him in front of Contreras, and it's really a volume play. I think the Cubs are very big on resting their players, and you know they've got John Lester who likes to throw to a very specific catcher. Whether or not that will be Contreras next year, who knows. But um, I think Posey will out-earn Contreras just based upon his volume. Okay, number four, JT Real Muto, who we talked about earlier very briefly, 108.8 ADP, so it's three rounds later. Um, he actually requested a trade. Real Muto's power increased. His steals and average fell year over year. So let's do over-under. Over-under 15 homers, over-under 10 steals. And is he worth this price? Yeah, I think he goes under in home runs, over in steals, and he. Uh, I I would not draft him here, and I do like him, but I I think the price is a little high for me. Does it have to do with the team? If he went somewhere else, if he was on Boston, yes. Oh, much well, more. Yeah, that is, yeah. Of course, that's huge. Okay. I mean, yeah. All right. So we're open to moving him up our boards based upon where he ends up. Yeah, definitely. He's still okay. never he he's still never going to be ahead of Posey though. Or whoever's yeah, well, three. Right? There's like this is a significant teardrop. And I, I think I want to make that clear, right? That if you can get one of these top three guys, you should. Because this is a significant teardrop. And there's a reason why he's going three rounds JT Realmuto is going three rounds later than Buster Posey. Yeah, I agree with that. Um where do you think he should go? How many picks after Posey? If three round, three and a half rounds isn't enough. I've got a number in my head. Six rounds. No, see, my my ADP for him is like one thirty-two. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right for me too. Six rounds. Okay, is so if Posey was right, no, it's is it- it's correct. Is that six? If, if, if the ADP is 132, that's 61 picks. That's the first pick six rounds later. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. I, I was doing it from where uh, – I can't do math. Depressing. I know. <laughs> Most it's, depressing. It's not like I'm an engineer or anything. <laughs> dilly dilly. <laughs> All right, let's move to Salvador Perez. 117.4. The card also looks bare in Kansas City. But Sal is coming off a career-best 27 bombs. What are your thoughts on the KC catcher? And are you buying the steady 260-20 homer production that he seems to bring? Well, I know you're not. And I'm just waiting. Yeah, I know you're not. Uh, But I am. Uh, First of all, this is another guy who is, I think, a, a, a very, a much better real life player than fantasy player. But wait, let me let me just let me just clarify this. Is this classic Nick Ligatino? I like the player, but I but don't I like the price. <laughs> or do you like the price? Well, let me ask you a question. Here's the thing. Think of, think about it for a second. Have you do you okay. ever in your entire life? Remember me taking a catcher within the first 10 rounds? Never. I've never have, and I never will. I always punt the position because people 
I just don't hold that position as higher as everybody else. I'm a Lucre guy around 12. I'm a this guy around 15. I don't like drafting catchers. Well, this high. is round 10. Okay. I, I, I definitely hate Salvador Perez in round 10. Okay. So, <laughs> but, but I do like this player. No, you can't talk out both sides of your mouth and say, I like him, but I would never take him. I love consistency. I love it more than anything. And for three years in a row, 20 plus bombs, uh, right around 260. I don't know what's not to like. Uh, Pat's well, come obviously in. he's ADP. Well, yeah, I, I, no, I don't like. I don't like. The, I don't like. The, I'm saying. I'm talking about the player, the ADP. No, I would never take him in round ten. I wouldn't take any catcher in round that you've named recently. But um, I think he's a lock for around twenty bombs. Uh, he's a lock for a 250 plus average and he's going to do what he does. He's going to get 70 plus RBIs and he's going to be regular ass vanilla Salvador Perez, boring Salvador Perez. There's nothing special about him. He does what he does. All right, wait, Pat, before you rip, rip him to shreds, um, I would like to mention that I think there's actually a little bit of upside in the RBI department because he's going to probably move up a slot into four from five. Um, so he, he can get a little boost in RBIs there. Other than that, I mean, I agree with Nick. Um, I think the only problem is, is that the bottom can fall out at any time because he's got a ton of innings and, uh, in OBP leagues, you got to push him down. Yeah. I'm I'm not even going to rip him the shreds. Um, listen, there's, there are extenuating circumstances here in terms of, how you have to evaluate him, much like Real Muto. And this situation is even worse than Real Muto's. There is nobody on Kansas City right now. Like, yo, wait. if there's a grounder hit to first or third, there is nobody there. <laughs> Literally. There is nobody on this team. So, like, I agree with you, Joe. He's going to move up in the lineup and it's going to be more desirable. And yeah, there's a chance that he picks up some volume at DH. So maybe it's a little better in terms of, um, you know, he doesn't catch as much and he's less likely to wear down. And yeah, he did make some legitimate improvements last year. And I'm willing to admit that. He hit the ball in the air more. He pulled the ball more. But he still doesn't walk. As Joe mentioned, he's got a lot of innings when you factor in the playoffs and the games played and the way they've treated him before doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to turn around and start de-aging him all of a sudden. Nedios might just say, screw it. Sal catch 140 games again, because <laughs> I've seen you do it before. So let's just keep doing it. Um, so, and, and he's got a consistent pattern where he does well in the first half and falls off in the second half. So, I mean, to me, he's just not my type of player. I wouldn't take him here. And unlike Nick, I'm not going to talk out both sides of my mouth and say I love him. Oh, my God. You you could like a player and not like the ADP, you idiot. No, you can't because of course you can. You don't like him. No, because you don't like him as much as the market does. So then, what? Then do you really like him? 
philosophically speaking. I mean, ultimately, that's what we're here to do, right? Evaluate whether or not we like someone relative to where they're going, right? Otherwise, yes. Nick, we're not here to listen to how much you like guys. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> So, yeah, when it comes to Sal, I'm out at this price, and I'm out on him as a player, but I do acknowledge that he made some good changes last year, but the situation is terrible. Okay, so Jonathan Lucroy is the sixth catcher, 178.53. He had a bad year in Texas in his age 31-32 season. Do you expect a bounce back, or do you think last year was the beginning of the end? Mm. And by the way, free agent. So we don't know where he's playing next year. I believe there will be a bounce back. I am a huge Lucroy guy. Always have been. He is the grittiest of the gritty. He's got heart. It's all you need. <laughs> Coach, as Coach McGinty will tell you, you got to have heart. Um, love, uh, love Lucroy. I we don't know where he's going to play, so it's really hard to uh, give him an ADP, but. And obviously coming off of an injury-riddled year, he's just a tough player to grasp. But we know what he did in 2016. We know what he did in the years prior to that. He's a guy that hits for good average. He hits. He gives you some pop. He gives you some steals. The steals may be gone from his game because he's been dealing with a lot of injuries. He walks. He doesn't strike out. Uh, the, the profile is great on Lucroy. It's just age is getting up there. The injuries are starting to play. Uh, a part in his career. We don't know where he's going to play, but what was the ADP, Pat? 178.53. This would be the first catcher that I buy then. Was so that round I would, 14? I would, I would be in on Lucroy totally at that price uh, and, and hope for the best, without a doubt. It would be round 15. 15, 15. Yeah, yeah so he's, he's an interesting case because um, he just got sapped of all of his power, even in Colorado. Um, granted, that was from a career high of 24 in 2016. Um, but he 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 actually swung the bat really well from a contact perspective. He uh, is probably the best of his career. He had a great walk rate, great strikeout rate. Um, at this round, I'm not really willing to give up on him just yet. But I think I'd have some sort of backup plan. Like, oh, of course, uh, if I saw, you know, like if I saw people the the rest of the room grabbing all the uh the scrub catchers um i definitely want an insurance policy yeah I, to me i think you have to see where he ends up last year was a total disaster and it wasn't bad luck uh the quality of the contact was bad the kind of contact was bad in terms of ground ball fly ball it showed up in the power numbers. He only had six homers. Um, the only positive that I see in the profile is that he cut the strikeout rate down to 10%. But I would gladly trade some Ks to bring back some of the power. Um, if he you know, went from six homers to 15 homers and struck out 17% of the time, I'd gladly live, live with that. Um, to me, that's a case of just a straight-out bad season. And he could have been hurt. So, I mean, I'll give him that. But there's no reported injury. Um, I do think he bounces back, but I think it's to pre-2016 levels. Wait, there was no reported injury last year, you said? 
Not that I know of. Yeah, no, no. there wasn't. Yeah, he, no, there was. He was in and out of the lineups all year. He had a uh, knee injury, I know of, and I'm pretty sure he had a wrist injury on and off the entire season from getting pegged. Like, Are you and, sure? I looked back and all I saw was stomach bugs. Nah, he definitely got pegged last year in like April or May. Yeah, he got pegged by a stomach bug. Oh my god. Um, okay, so whatever, fine. He, mixed reports as to injuries. So he may have been hurt. He may not have been hurt. Assume he was hurt because it doesn't fit with his health. And at this cost, you can afford to take the hit if he doesn't pan out in a 12-team mixed league. If it's two-catcher league, I think you have to take a different approach. But fine. Uh, I think he's. I think he bounces back. I, I think he's going to bounce back, though, to uh, mid-teens power. Uh, mid single digits steals and like a 285 average. I, I just want to clarify something. Um, you had mentioned that he his contact was poor, the results were poor, and I mentioned that um, his contact was some of the best of his career. I want to clarify that what I meant was that he handled the bat very well in putting the ball in play, but I'd agree with you that the contact results were terrible. He didn't hit the ball hard. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to, to clarify that up so that we don't look like dummies. Okay. Thank you, because we don't want to look like dummies. <laughs> okay. So, the seventh catcher is Yadier Molina, 189.8. Um, wow. Ageless. This got ugly quick. Ageless. Finishing as the number four catcher. Molina nearly went 2010 with a 270-plus average at... 35. Can you buy one more big season from Molina or was 2017 his last gasp? Uh, I, I mean, I don't think you can't bank on it. Uh, I, I think that we, everybody was kind of surprised by the power coming out of nowhere. This is a guy who was unrosterable the last couple of years. And even with the good average, he still wasn't rosterable because the county stats were so low and so bad being at the back of that lineup. Not able to sc- not being able to score runs in RBIs, not being able to hit home runs to steal bases, uh, it just kind of came out of nowhere. So I, I, I would, if I completely punted the position, um, and you took a guy like Lucroy, I, 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 where where he's a complete risk. I mean, you can bank on Yadier just at least giving you a decent average. That's one thing you could rely on him for. But anything else, it's a shot in the dark, and you'd have to say a prayer to get the same numbers that he got this year, last year. Yeah, he definitely uh, he definitely partook in the fly ball revolution uh, with the second highest uh, of his career fly ball percentage at 37.4. He jumped up uh, like 8%. Um, it's also the hardest he's ever hit the ball. So he's a good bet for a solid average, as, as you said, Nick. But if for whatever reason he doesn't hit the home runs – uh, then this is just terrible. And I'd rather have someone like Ramos, Wilson Ramos or, or Wellington Castillo later. Um, but if he if he does continue to to put the ball in the air, I, I mean, he might continue to put up mid-teen home runs, and then this isn't such a bad, bad pick. Yeah, Joe, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, at 189, there is... Moderate to limited risk. 
And yeah, his age is such that the wheels are eventually going to come off. But he made real changes last year. Um, you know, he, he his fly ball percentage went up 10%. His pull percentage went up 5%. His hard contact was up 5%. There's a reason to believe that he found some late career latent power and that he's going to continue to do that. Um, I look at him very similar to how I look at Luke Roy. So, I mean, I'm looking at a guy that's going to hit mid to high teens power, steal somewhere around five to seven bases, and hit 280. And so, I mean, I look at Luke Roy, and I look at Molina, and I think they're separated by a round. I would rather have Molina um, because they're extremely similar assets. All right, let's move to the next guy, uh, number eight, Wilson Ramos. 196. He's got, uh, he had, excuse me, 11 homers in 64 games last year. The power pace was very impressive, um, considering what he did in his last full year in Washington. Um, do you think he's a Salvador Perez clone, a 260, 20 homer guy, with, except he's got injury questions? Or do you think he is something more? No, I, I've always thought he was something more. I'm, I'm a big Ramos guy. I've owned him multiple years, and you kind of – when he was in the Nationals, you waited for that big, big breakout. It kind of never came. He had that one good year where in 2016 where he hit 22 and batted 307, but I, I always thought the power would come. He's I mean, If you look at the kid, he's tremendous. He's gigantic. The guy, he's 6'1", 255, and it looks like it's all muscle. Um. And the, his issue has obviously been injuries in his entire career. He's completely made of glass. Uh, his, his, he's only turned in uh, a full season twice. Last year, he obviously was injured for the first, uh, I think, the entire first half of the season. But the power numbers uh, came right back. I like him. And I like the ADP if he's the kind of guy that at this point you take the chance, especially if you punted uh, catcher. Because if he plays a full season, he's going to get you a healthy average. He's going to get you some pop. Uh, in 2016, when he hit the 22, I think that's easily repeatable for him if he plays 130 games again. Uh, so I, I like him. The, the the whole thing here is the injuries. You have to have a good backup if you draft a guy like Ramos. Yeah, so uh, I'd say, yeah, he probably is a Salvador Perez clone. Um, but 100 picks later is is really enticing. Um, for someone with just some injury risk, he's he's a guy that that you can him Ramos plus whatever you get on the waiver wire, a hundred picks later, I think is worth it. He doesn't strike out as much as Salvador, and he doesn't. I think he walks a little bit more. A, a, a very minuscule amount, okay. but at, I mean. They're both not helping you in on-base percentage leagues. But my point is, I'd rather have the 100 picks and draft someone else and then team up Ramos with a, a, a waiver addition to, to, to put together my team of cashers. I mean, to me, outside of the big three, I think Ramos is the first guy that really piques my interest. I think the ADP is going to rise as we get closer um, and he gets into spring training healthy. He makes a good amount of hard contact, 33.1%. He also improved the fly ball rate. 
which will be key to tap further into the power. I think he's a 275-25 homer talent, 275 being the batting average. So I, I think he's a little better than Sal in terms of his production on a game-by-game -game basis, but he's got durability issues. Um, but that's why his price tag is 80 picks lower. I do not mind taking the plunge at this price if I missed out on the top-end talent. However, I anticipate he's going to be a popular sleeper. So if your draft is later, as most of our most of ours are, if we're talking three, four months from your draft, he's probably not going to go at this price. I think he's going to be probably around 150 by the time those drafts roll around. All right. Um, next up, we got Evan Gaddis at 204. Uh, Nick, this one's going to be for you. So um, Gaddis just made 325 plate appearances last season. Um, what do you do with him? And uh, he missed a month, and that contributed. But he's uh, he's the number two catcher on this team. Um, is he worth owning over someone like McCann? And do you prefer him or Ramos? Uh, that's it's tough choosing. It's definitely tough choosing between those two because um, they're completely completely different players. I mean, Gaddis has the big power upside over both of those guys. Uh, but I I kind of like Gaddis this year because the ADP is so damn far back. And if he gets the, it's really nice. Yeah. If he gets the games, if he gets the games, let's say he, let's say somehow he squeezes in 115. Let's just say, well, he's going to start the DH. He's expected yeah. to DH, which is, yeah. is nice, right? Cause Beltran started last year. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, so if he gets, if he gets, let's just say the 115, 120 mark though, uh, he's a lock for 20 home runs, a lock. Anything more than that, this guy could definitely hit 30 out of the park easy. He's gigantic. He's got the power. We've all seen it before. And surprisingly, I always thought that Gaddis's average would like hit rock bottom, but he survived so far. It hasn't been too bad. The lowest he's hit was at uh, 246 in 2015. Um, you know that swing, the way he swings sometimes, and the, oh, the cold, my God. yeah, and the so cold, frustrating, yeah, and the cold streaks that he goes on, oh. uh, it's kind of scary. But somehow he's maintained like a two fifty plus average almost every single year. So, uh, it's at this point he's entered the circle of trust. He's not going to kill you, and he's got a pretty, still a pretty, uh, good amount of upside. So, I, I like the ADP a lot. I'm with it. Yeah, so so as the Astro fan, right? Um, it's incredibly frustrating to watch. I mean, Nick, you know, I'm always I'm always bad mathing Evan Gaddis because he's it's just so frustrating to watch his swing, and he does go through ridiculous cold streaks. With that said, I I'm actually honestly honestly surprised. I haven't looked at Evan Gaddis' stats in a little bit. Um, his strikeout rate is a lot lower than I thought, and just by the eye test, it looks higher. Um, and I think that's why that helps the batting average. The walk rate, I mean, is nothing to write home about. Um, so in on-base percentage leagues, he's a little bit lower. But at this ADP, I mean, he's going in round 17. This is really, really good. And he's a, he's pretty much an automatic lock for mid-20s home runs. It's just will he eclipse 30. Is he going to have catcher eligibility this year? He will, yes. Okay. He, he started like 40-something games. 
Okay. And so, um, aside from just the home runs, though, he still has the historic Houston offense around him. So he's going to get the, the compilation stats, too. Um, I mean, Steamer, the Steamer projections are 73 runs, 87 RBIs. That's probably a little high, but he's going to get a lot of at-bats as a DH. So um, I, I, I can't hate this pick. All right. Well, I mean, my concern with Gaddis is, is that DH is the easiest position for a team to replace. So while I can see him being productive in a short-term role, I worry that eventually he's going to um, get replaced in a lineup, and then suddenly he's the backup catcher to Brian McCann, and uh, you know. It, it just – I don't know that the volume is there. Um, certainly on a game-by-game -game basis, I think he can be productive as a power here. We've seen it before. Um, it's just – that's a very crowded situation. It's not what it was a couple of years ago when they first acquired Gaddis. Where certainly true. I mean, there's more – They were going to find sure they a way to get fit. him into – There's a lot yeah, of Yeah, they were going to find – like a couple of years ago, they were going to find a way to get Gaddis into the lineup, whether it was outfield or first base or catcher or DH. Now suddenly his path to playing time is is Brian McCann needs a rest or DH and that's it. And uh, God, this is a team that just won the World Series. They're gonna go they're gonna try and win again. And if you know there's a good bat out there, or as you mentioned, I mean, even in their farm system, you know, they're gonna they're gonna do what they have to do to put together the best team possible. And that makes him a very expendable piece, especially as a guy that is you know a mid high twenties power bat that's going to hit for two sixty? Uh, he's the easiest guy in your lineup to replace. I mean, so I mean, looking at that, and then looking at the next couple of guys. I mean, like you're looking at Wellington Castillo, two ten point sixty seven. Uh, he popped twenty bombs last year with a three fifths share of Baltimore's job. He looks like the primary catcher for the Chicago White Sox this year. Uh, what are your thoughts on Castillo compared to Gaddis? All right, wait. Uh, so, uh, Nick, I'm going to leapfrog you here. Uh, this is the guy I want. If I'm missing on everyone else, Castillo is the guy I want. I mean, the 20 bombs in, in that limited time in Baltimore, but now he's in just as friendly Chicago to hit home runs. Um, he can handle his own in terms of batting average. Um, and, and even if last year was a blip and – a huge uptick. I think 260 and 20 home runs is still very feasible. And at this price, I, I, I really like him. I think he's, he's the guy I'd target if I missed out. Well, I think also in Chicago, I would add, I mean, they're going to be a bad team. Like they've got a very good farm system, but they're still at least a year away. And it is very possible that Castillo when he's not catching picks up some at bats at DH and one of his weaknesses was always defense and that's part of the reason why he was you know a 60% catcher roughly in Baltimore but his defense got a lot better last year and they signed him for a couple of years now so I think that his playing time share is going to go up with the White Sox. And I agree with you. I, I like him better than Gaddis. Um, I don't like him better than Ramos, though. 
But I, I think that Castillo is a guy that is a relative bargain compared to his ADP. So do we hate catcher as much as we've let on? It's a weak position. It's a weak it, position, but it, but but the, there there can be some value later in the draft. It, it, it's there's a big big lull, there's a huge drop off, and then it becomes good again, which is most positions really in fantasy. Well, I mean, does it become good again, or is it everyone's the same? It's just good it's relative. Shot. You're to... rolling the dice. You're rolling the dice with all these guys, but some of them have. Higher upside than others. There's definitely some value here. Castillo's a guy. I think th- he's extremely similar to Gaddis and and Ramos. It's the same deal. You're rolling the dice on all three of them. Okay, let's move to Mike Zanino then. Two eleven point zero seven. Zanino broke through in some people's eyes with twenty five homers and a seventh place finish amongst catchers last year. Is he in your top ten? And do you think he can withstand or maintain his value with a 30-plus percent K rate? Yeah, 36 to be exact. Well, 30, 37, really, to be exact. That's tough. Uh, yeah, 30-plus 30, 30, 30 percent might have been a little generous. Yeah, it was generous. And yeah, a 355 BABIP, right? BABIP. Yeah, that's, that's also really tough. It's super luck. This yeah, is the case uh, of actually being lucky. He he probably should have batted like two thirty five last year instead of two fifty one. Oh, I think you're being that's generous. even generous. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, well, I mean, listen. What I, I he no to answer your question, he's not in my top ten, and I'm I'm, I'm not a I feel, Joe. I feel like you were a Zunino guy. Is that correct or incorrect? Uh, not in particular. No. Okay. So what 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 I project for him this year? My projections for Zunino in twenty eighteen. Are I th- I do think that he comes around the twenty home run uh, home run mark. I think the power is there. He's always kind of had it, uh, but the average I think comes down to like the two thirty ish area, and there's not much else. Uh, so which makes him for me almost unrosterable. I don't. I wouldn't own him. I wouldn't even. I, he, for me, he would be waiver fodder, and I wouldn't even touch him probably for the entire year. See, like the thing with Zeno is, is that the 355 Babip is especially alarming because he plays catcher. Um, and league average Babip is 300. But league average Babip for a catcher is traditionally right around 280. Yeah. So you're talking about 75 <laughs> points of Babip to give yeah, back, it's, it's which is it's why Mendoza Joe and I though. both said to you. 230, 240 is generous. Like, this is a guy that could realistically hit under 200. Yeah. And he's done it before. This is not, it's not like it's never happened before to Mike Zinino. Um, But, I mean, you know, back end of the draft, last catcher taken, mixed league. I I get it. Like, he's got, he's got big time power. He can take a walk. Um, you know, if you can live with, you know, and at best, two fifty average, which is what you have to put in his ballpark now. You just have to understand that's your, that's your best case scenario, and you might be looking at 
a guy that goes through multiple long stretches where he's completely useless. Um, he's he's a streamer. Like that's that's exactly what he is. You want him when he's hot, and then you want to drop him the moment you know he puts together three or four over fours uh, with you know nine strikeouts <laughs> because you just want to get out before the bottom drops out. Um, I don't think he's worked the spot. I would put him outside of uh, my top twelve, and he is outside of my top twelve. Um, but I, I get it. Like, I understand why somebody would take the shot on him as the 12th catcher in a mixed league because he's got the, he's one of the, those catchers that could hit 30 bombs. Okay. So number 12, Austin Barnes. I think this is a guy we all like Oh my god, 21.27. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Barnes is a guy that <laughs> I expect to rise up draft boards and is already rising along with something else. <laughs> what do you think of the skills? I'll let Joe go before he I don't let me just finish. No, you gotta go. Let's you say, gotta go. Let's say let's say he gets four hundred and fifty plate appearances. What is the upside? <laughs> and how high are you willing to gamble on him, knowing that he might only see half a season's worth of at bats? Well, all right, so I'll start. So, uh, Pat, I think you remember me being extremely high on Barnes pre him coming up. Yeah, you were. High. Yes, you were. You were very high on him last year. Yeah. So I, I absolutely, absolutely, absolutely love this kid. And he's just like, I think he's going to wind up being a really, really, really good player. At some point, he kind of reminds me of Lucroy. Uh, he makes great contact. He has some upside in power. But the beautiful thing about him is he's got this speed. And this was the reason why I liked him coming up. The reason why I liked him coming up was because he hit for good average and he had really good speed. Uh, in a year where he gets 450 plate appearances, this is going to sound bizarre, but I really think that this is a guy who could hit 20 home runs and could steal 15-plus bases from a position where – I cannot remember the last got catcher who's done that, like off the top of my head. Uh, having Wait, what said were the, that, what were the numbers? Twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. That is oh, a possibility. I have no idea who the last person was that did that. Yeah, God only knows. Maybe Russell but, Martin. Maybe. I don't even. I don't. I don't think so. But I don't think he hit. I don't think he stole fifteen that same year. But not only does he put up these good power speed numbers. They also come with good average numbers. He's such a good contact hitter. If you watch him play, he's a smart player. Um, he walks a lot. He doesn't really strike out. He's just I – think, I think at this point, like up until now, he's been a better regular – the kind of guy, a regular – a better real-life player than fantasy. But I think he's going to evolve now into a better fantasy player and – uh, I, I just absolutely love him, and I love, 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 love the ADP. This is my guy. I'm gonna, I am going to own him this year in our league. Yeah. So there's absolutely no way this ADP sticks. Absolutely no way. I thoroughly expect him to be well within the top ten. Um, I'd say probably within the top eight. Um, I think I have him at seven, six. Um, 
So I'm with Nick. Uh, I don't know about 2015. I think that's probably a little bit, a little too aggressive for me. But I think mid-teens pop and just about double-digit steals are well within the realm of possibilities. Um, as far as 450 plate appearances, um, I think it goes a long way that the Dodgers solely started him during the playoffs. He was the guy in the playoffs, and I think that means a lot. I think that they they said that they trust him to handle the pitching staff. They trust him to handle his own with the bat. Um, so I'm 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 all in. Yeah, I, I think he is the upside catcher this year, and I agree with you, Joe. There's no way this ADP sticks. Um, he's too talented. It was an excellent call by Nick last year. Um, you know, he didn't get the playing time required to cash in on that call, but the skills are there. Like, there's no denying it. And Nick made another excellent comp, comping him to Luke Roy. But I think he's got a little more power, and I think he's a little more disciplined at the plate, which makes him a better version of, you know, Luke Roy at his, um, at his peak. Um, what we really need is for L.A. to deal Grandal, so that way we get two catchers out of this. Um, What's up, because, Boston? Yeah, come on, please. Oh, my God. Oh, the Mets. <laughs> no, please, no. <laughs> Listen, with without a trade though, I'm I'm less optimistic. I, I think he's going to see right around 400 plate appearances. Um, he can play second base, which is a testament to his athleticism. Um, but uh, I, I need that volume. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fair. You know, I, you you're, you're going to need that volume. So I mean, I, I think I think they will make the deal. I really do because I think Rondal is. Um, an asset that people are going to be willing to pay up for. Um, and by people, I mean other teams. Um, so I, I think if the trade does happen, I think you're going to see Barnes at the price where we're rating him, which is probably about the sixth or seventh catcher. Yeah. I think we're all on board with that, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and one quick thing that I just want to say, what what I do sometimes in fantasy, um, especially in baseball, is if I punt a position, and this isn't to sound crazy to you guys, I know how you say, like, um, if you draft a guy like Ramos, you have to make sure you have a safe backup. What I do sometimes is, so for this position in particular, I'll completely punt a uh, catcher, and I'll take two guys that could break out, but that can completely not even get playing time. Like, so what I'm, my point is if I was to wait all this time and take Barnes, I would probably draft Tom Murphy either the next round or the round after, because one of them is going to do it. Yeah. So I, I think that depends on league construction, right? If we're talking a 12 team or even 14 team single catcher league, uh, yeah, I mean, like, there's going to be guys that are the same as – there's going to be guys on the waiver wire that are going to be the same as guys you'd spend a draft pick on, right? They're, like, all the same at this point. Yeah. So you might as well just punt it completely. Yeah. So that I agree with. If you're in a two-catcher league, that everything's that, – that strategy doesn't work. No, definitely not. All right, let's move on to his teammate, Yasmani Grandal. Uh, 249.89. <clears throat> he was a good bit worse from his 2016 breakout. 
and has Austin Barnes breathing down his neck as a member of the Dodgers. Do you think he's going to see enough volume with LA to pop 20 bombs and be relevant? Do you think the walk rate returns? Or do you think that he moves on somewhere else and, you know, again, we have two fantasy-relevant catchers? Well, you know what? It's, and instead of taking Tom Murphy, if Yasmani Grandal is down, you took Barnes. I mean, why not take Grandal? Um, you know, he's got the pot. We we all know he could hit home runs. Um, I I don't I don't think that the average is going to uh, kill you because he's a catcher. If if he if he gets the playing time and plays 120 plus games, he's going to get you close to 30 bombs. So you could live with the average at that position. Uh, he walks a lot last year. The, the walk rate went, went down a bit, but, uh, you know, I like Grandal if you're taking Barnes. Uh, so wait, yeah, but that only works in a 12 team mix. Yeah, that's true. You're okay with taking Grandal if he's not moved. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't, if he's a Dodger, I don't know if I'm really that interested. I think he needs to move for me to be interested. So I just you're viewing Barnes as the starter. Yeah, I th- I really think they're gonna. I, I think okay. so. I hope so. No, I think I think Barnes is definitely the better offensive player and the better fantasy option. I just know Grandal's defense is top notch, and I, I I do agree with Joe. It does say something that the Dodgers were willing to. Put put Barnes back there for most of the postseason, but Grandal is an elite defensive catcher, and it's true. Barnes is actually Barnes can play well. second. Well, I'm not saying Barnes isn't good defensively. I'm just I just know Grandal is at the top end of that spectrum, mm. and there's been talk that Barnes could play and pick up some at bats at second base. So maybe their thought process is 400 at-bats for Grandal behind the plate and then 200 for Barnes behind the plate and 200 at second base. What's Barnes' eligibility right now going Uh, into the season? I think he might have second base. I'll check. Oh, my God. If if he's catcher second. He is indeed catcher second. He might be. Yes. Oh my yes. God, that's like well, how a many huge. Joe, how many games well, does he have? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It depends. He's got tw- 21 games, but he only started four at second. Sorry. I think 20 games is enough to get him eligibility pretty much everywhere. Okay. I could be wrong. But yeah. I, I so think, he played 21 games enough. at second. I think it's. I think in other. I know in Yahoo it's five and ten. I think in others it's ten and twenty usually. So if he's got 20 games played, I think he'll have second. Yeah, that's really good. He's the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is the best. All right, well, let's move off Dodger catchers. So, all right, well, well, let me let me just clarify. Okay, so, so you guys are going on the assumption Barnes is going to seize the role and see somewhere around 450 plate appearances, right? Yes, Nick. I, I I'm hopeful. Okay, but if the draft was today, if the draft was today, I'm taking Barnes in like round thirteen. Okay, so you're taking him as 
So I don't think you're going to get him, though. What did you say? Round 13, sorry. Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm getting him. Okay, so (laughs) again, 7th or 8th catcher off the board is where we have him approximately. Yeah. And we're willing to draft him as such today. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, I actually agree, yes. And then when it comes to Grandal, I think we're split. Because I'm I'm still high on Grandal. I'm expecting a trade. And you guys aren't willing to draft him as such. I no, like I him don't with like the Grandal. trade. Yeah, I like him yeah. if, if he gets the if he gets the guaranteed plate appearances, I like him. Okay. Alright. Me too. So so yeah, we we all agree. Okay. Alright, so we need a trade there. Get on it, Theo. Okay. So fourteenth, Jorge Alfaro, two fifty two point one. The Fantrax crowd are expecting Alfaro to cease every day at bats in Philadelphia. He did have a 318, 360, 514 triple slash. That seems to support this rank. What are your thoughts on Alfaro? Does he start? And do you think he's worth this investment? I actually like him. Uh, I, I think that there is another. here's another guy with big power upside, a big power upside catcher late in the draft. Um, the question is playing time, but I mean, he's 24 years old and he's 6'2", 225. Uh, so, and, and we've seen the kind of power numbers he's hit, uh, in double A and in triple A and, uh, it didn't, you know, he, he's, he was, we, he only played 29 games last year, but <laughs> it, it's hard to prorate that small a number, but if you did, it's five home runs in 30 games, which equates to three, six, nine, twelve. But you know, 20 plus home runs if he gets 120 games. Uh, so it's the a pack, million home runs. It's a million home runs. So <laughs> it seems like, from what we've saw so far, that his power is translating into the majors. I like him if he gets playing time. This is another guy I'm definitely willing to take a shot on. The average was definitely inflated. He had a 420 bat at 318 batting average. Uh, but the the average was good in the minors as well. He's a good contact hitter as well as a good power hitter. So I, I think he's a guy that could bat around 270, 260 in a full season and give you 20-plus bombs. So he's just like everybody else, just 100 picks later in ADP. So I, I like the ADP on him as well. And another reason why I'm punting the position this year. There's a lot of good young players with upside. I'd rather take a shot on him than take a vanilla Salvador Perez uh, 300 picks earlier. Yeah, there's there's like no business taking someone like Mike Zanino, uh, however many picks it was, in front of Afaro. Um, there, there are playing time concerns, but um, I still don't think that the Phillies are going to be – uh, too competitive. While the lineups definitely improved from last year, I don't think they'll be in the hunt um, for a playoff spot or anything. So I think they'll give him some time. Um, he he has huge, huge power potential. Um, I don't know if I like the batting averages as much as Nick, but still, even even if it's you know 240 and he hits 25 home runs at this price, I'm all in. He's got a 70 raw power rating too. Yeah. Guys, I'm a little more conservative than you are. And 50 speed? Ooh. That's like three steals. He's No. He's a, Go ahead, Pat. I I mean like I I just I I just don't know that like I'm 
as excited as you guys are. And I, and I know you guys are tempered excitement. You're talking about like your last catcher in mixed leagues, but he's, he's a catcher number one. So those guys tend to not excel in their first significant taste of the big leagues. Uh, I know he did okay last year when he came up, but I mean, it's going to be his first full season. He's going to be managing a full pitching staff if he plays right away, which I assume he will. Um, but he's doesn't have the type of profile of a player that's going to do very well his first time, you know, playing a full season. He's a guy that struck out 28.9% of the time and only walked 2.6% of the time. So he is Sal Perez on steroids in terms of his free swinging. Um, Joe said correctly, the Babbitt was 420. That's when we talked about Zeno, we criticized Zeno for a 355 Babbitt. That's what, 140 points above the normal catcher. And the homer to fly ball rate's also inflated. I mean, it's 21.7%, and he only made hard contact 24.3% of the time. So I think his numbers were just a, a tad bit inflated in that small sample. Um, does he have upside? Yeah, he's, he, he does. And he's got a very real uh, skill set for power, and, and it's very attractive behind the plate. But I just don't think that this year is the year. I think it's a name that prospect towns are very familiar with. I think it's a park that's very conducive to power. And I think people saw a very limited sample and are thinking to themselves, this guy's going to thrive right away. And I don't know. Um, I, I think I'd rather have guys going behind him, to be honest. Oh, let me ask you something. Um, sure. With Sanchez, Contreras, and Posey at the top, right? We pretty much all—I I think we all agreed that that—that's like a major tier drop. Um, would you guys agree that after Barnes and Grandal, this is like another set of a significant tier drop with most of the guys in front of them sort of being similar? Uh, I'm gonna get to some guys I like in a second. Okay. Yeah, I—I I mean, one name that jumps out to me that should probably be up with Grandal at, at least um, is Brian McCann. But we'll get to him. Okay, so 15th, Robinson Chirinos, 268.8. He had a semi-breakout at age 33, and he has a pretty decent steamer projection. Are you over or under the steamer projection of 20 homers and a 230 average? Uh, I'm I'm right around there with yeah, steamer. Me too. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I thought uh, Chirinos, had, he had a really nice year. I mean, 17 home runs in 88 games. Uh, uh, if you parade that, yeah, he's not going to get there. But um, he's got a guy that has had glimpses of power in his career. If you look back, 
he's never really had that full season where you could see what he could do. But in yeah. bits and pieces, you know, 10 and 78, 13 and 93 games, 8 and 74, the power has been there. And now it looks like he's actually going to get an opportunity to really play a full season. The question is if he could turn it in without getting injured and, and, and missing some time. But let's just say he does get 121 games, which, which is what Steamer's projection is. I think he's a lock to get around 20 home runs um, and get a decent average. He walks a ton and he doesn't strike out much. So I don't know. He's, he's intriguing to me. And I think he's a, he's an, a guy to, a, a guy to target. If uh, you want to play the backup safe guy, like if you take a guy like Murphy or a prospect that may not get the at-bats Alfaro, he's a good guy to back them up with. I, I, I'd echo everything except for that last bit. I think McCann is probably a safer guy. Yeah, McCann as well. Um, but yeah, I, aside from that, I echo everything. It's uh, it's all about playing time with him. Uh, like uh, rate-wise, he's pretty much the same player he's always been. So, uh, I, I, if he if he gets the plate appearances, yeah, I think the steamer projections are pretty much right on. Yeah, I mean, it's not a significant investment in you know, 12, 14 team mixed leagues where you have one catcher. But if you get into two catcher formats, um, the thing that holds me back with Torinos is why has Texas not given him a longer look before? Uh, You know, Nick mentioned it. It's a profile that has certainly hinted at what he did last year being possible. I mean, he's... He sort of reminds me, I remember last year, Nick, I don't know if you remember, but when we talked about Eduardo Nunez, like we constantly were like, well, if you take 80 games here and you take 80 games there, yeah, suddenly the, you know, 12, 30, 280 kind of makes sense. Well, it's kind of the same thing with Torino's. And it's not the 17 homers in 88 games from last year, but you look and you're like, oh, well, here's, if you, played a full season here, it would have been, you know, low 20s power, 240. He would have been pretty good. Yeah. Um, so I, I I think that Torinos has the ability to be a back-end starter in mixed leagues. It's just a matter of whether or not Texas is going to be committed to him. He also has a healthy walk rate, which I like. And he's got the profile of a 20-homer hitter because he's got a pull-heavy fly ball approach, and that indicates to me the power is for real. So, I mean, I think that this is another one of those guys. Like, this is that, you know, step below Wellington Castillo where you're looking at a guy that's not going to hit for a great average. He's going to hit 240, but he could hit you 20, 25 bombs. And there's nobody else there that we know of that's going to take the playing time from him. So it's a decent gamble, I think. Yeah. And I think and I think in a similar vein, we're talking about Austin Hedges. 271, 20.25. Do you think Hedges could combine, though, the K rate from his minor league career with his newfound power? Do you think a 25 homer, 250 season is possible? Uh, yeah, I, I think it is. I actually, I, I, there's another guy I really liked coming up 
um, because we saw the glimpses of power uh, in, when he was in the minors throughout Double A AA and Triple A, um, and he's a guy who I I kind of thought had like sneaky speed. Uh, he had glimpses. Um, and that's the reason why I really liked him coming up, but we, we didn't really see it last year. I mean, four stolen bases isn't bad from the position, but I think he's a guy who, given the workload, I think he could steal closer to 10. And that's what gives Real Muto the intrigue. And uh, if if the power sticks, which I there's no reason to believe that it won't, uh, if you look at just you know 2016, he hit 21 home runs in 82 games in AAA, and you look uh, prior to that, He's he's had good power numbers, uh, so I, this this is another guy that I really like at this spot. The, the 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 strikeout rate is a little scary, and it can get high at times. Uh, he doesn't walk that much, and the average is really scary at two fourteen. But I my projections for him this year coming up are I think he's gonna hit. Uh, I think he's gonna match last year's power numbers and hit right around twenty. I think I'm putting him at eighteen. I have him for seven steals. With a 240 average, which makes him a really not not a really nice player at this time, but a, a player that's if you punted the position is rosterable and is going to be a decent player if, like I said, if you completely punted it. So I like him here. Yeah, uh, my only real comment is just don't draft Mike Sanino. Um. <laughs> what? <laughs> No, really though, right? Like I, I agree with you. I think he's he can. He's not. Are you comparing him to Mike Zanino? No, I'm. I'm saying that you shouldn't draft Mike Zanino because oh, you yeah. can get someone that's somewhat similar, but a lot later, right? Like I'm not sure if he's a guarantee to hit 25 home runs, but I think 19, 20, 21 is certainly reasonable. I think the average is going to be pretty poor, like around. 230-240. So, why would you pay up for someone like Zanino when you can get hedges on the cheap? Yeah, and he's got upside with average, too, by the way. Yeah, I I would concur with Joe. I, I, I think that hedges is the higher floor Mike Zanino that you're looking for. Um, you know, he doesn't... He's not going to hit... 185 um and i think that's partly because he doesn't strike out as much and partly because he's also just got the track record for being a better hitter um compared to what mike zanino is um you know mike zanino is a guy that hasn't doesn't have the type of contact profile that Austin Hedges has. So, I mean, I, I think that Hedges is in that Chirinos class. Like, he's that last catcher type. He's going to have the playing time. And I agree with Nick. I, I am intrigued by the idea that this was a guy who made a lot of contact in the minors and now has shown the ability to hit for power. So, you're you're talking about a player that's shown two different qualities. And if you can find a way to merge them, suddenly he becomes a really high-end asset, someone who can hit 25 bombs and bat 270. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I like, I like Hedges because he's got upside, and I like Hedges for his floor. 
comparable to a player like Zanino. All right, so let's talk about a player that's probably all for Brian McCann, 271.64. He fell short of the 20-homer plateau for the first time since 2007 last year. But in terms of pace, he's pretty much locked in as a 20-homer, 240-ish hitter. Can you buy that, or do you want someone more upside? No, I could I could buy it. And like Joey said before, he's the perfect safety net uh, if you're drafting one of these prospects or one of these injury-prone guys. He's a lock for 20 home runs. I know he's 30 years old, but the power is still there. We saw it last year. You paid it's 34. Oh, is he 34? Well, yeah. all right. He's getting up there, but if you – um. If, but regardless, listen, we're looking at last year's stats. This is a year ago. If you give him 120 games, you're around 25 home runs. Uh, he still hit 18 last year. All the all of his other numbers are right on par, 241 average, um, which is directly in line with the previous like five years behind that. I, I like the player as a safety play. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't draft a guy like this. I'm more of a – I'd rather just – I'd rather just completely gamble the entire year and pick up. I'd rather have a guy like Chirinos. I'd rather have uh, prospects, but I, I like him as. Yeah. A, but but I don't I don't hate the idea of having this guy on your bench that you could plug in and that won't kill you. I, I thought you were gonna say someone like Murphy. Um, yeah, Murphy as well. But yeah, I think I think I'm with Nick too. I think I'd rather just have. I I guess it depends on my roster, right? If I have a a crap ton of risk everywhere else then maybe i go with mccann or the or maybe i just say hey let's go all in and go for someone really high risk yeah i mean i to, to me if you're if you're looking or searching for high-end catcher production if you're not going to take one of the top three and you're not going to take well, I was going to say <laughs> Ramos or Barnes. You know, Ramos is a little more expensive, but like I said, I think those two are going to end up higher or, or more costly than they are now come March. Um, I, I think that I would prefer to take a guy like McCann and bank the 20 and the 240 then take a guy like Tom Murphy, um, who may not even play. Um, he's going to play. No, he's not. You said, that, you said that like two years ago. They're not yeah. going to leave Chris Iannetta as their catcher on that yeah, team. They might, they might well, they're paying him like a starter. But I, that's fine. Whatever. All right. Let's not let's well, not we're gonna, on. We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about Chris Iannetta, so that's okay. But, okay. but I, I think that – McCann is a guy that if you don't need to hit the lottery at catcher, if you just need somebody to be a representative and get you into the top 12, I think that he is really safe in that sense. Yeah, I think we all agree on that. Okay. All right, Travis Darno, 284.75. Showed power last year, six, 16 homers in 376 split appearances. 
uh, struggled a good portion of the year. And Kevin Ploiecki, uh, the Mets prospect, is breathing down his neck. Is Darno's theoretical upside fed, or is he just fool's gold? I still believe. Yeah, really? Yeah, oh, yeah I'm kind of surprised. Yeah. Listen, I can't. I just. I can't. I've watched this guy enough to say that he is a very, very, very good baseball player. He's. If you watch him, he's really good. He just has to stay healthy. Yeah, he's made of glass. He's made of glass. Um, and we. Yeah, he's seen- gonna. He's going to have a good. He's going to have a really, really good season at one point. It's just a yeah. matter of when. The Does thing he... is, though, is I just don't think it's going to be on the Mets. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, no, honestly, though, like I think like he's just due for a, a change of scenery. Listen, at this point, I'm drafting him. And I'm drafting him probably 50 picks behind this. Um, if he turns in a full season, this By kid... behind this, you mean early. You mean in front. Or in front, yeah, or in front. Uh, I, he's just uh, to me, he's a special talent. Uh, this is a kid who it, he doesn't strike out ever. He walks a ton. He's a great contact hitter. He's got, I think, big, 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 huge power upside in his game if he could turn it in. Um, it, it's just a matter of staying healthy, and if that when that day comes. And he does finally have his breakout. It's going to be to the tune of like 30 home runs and a two like 80 average. I, I absolutely love him. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for it. And I'm willing to take the gamble every year until it actually happens. He's still only 28, uh, which is crazy because you would think he's younger because he hasn't played at all. But it, it's going to come and I'm willing to take a gamble this year. So I, I love the ADP and I'm still taking him. Take the risk. Joe, give your uh, dissenting point of view. Oh well, it's it's not really it's not really a, a huge negative. I, I'd agree that I think the power the power potential is still there. He you know he was a a very highly touted prospect. Um, he 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 looks okay to the eye test. Even the the, the K rate's not bad. The walk rates whatever. It's not going to kill you. But again, I just think I I just get the feeling that. A change of scenery would really, really help him. Um, that you know, we joke around about the Mets training staff, but um, they do have a track record. Um, so I, I think, I think if if he's gonna if he's going to break out or sort of break out, it's gonna be somewhere else other than the Mets, and I think it's got to be kind of soon because he's almost twenty nine. But. With all that said, I don't dislike, I don't dislike him here. I don't dislike the potential. It's nothing about his game in particular. It's just really about playing time and injuries. I'm gonna own him this year. The one thing I will add, in addition to the idea that my mindset is like Nick, that this guy has um, a big season in him somewhere, um, is that I think that he is. Uh, a cautionary tale, tale for the people that like Jorge Alfaro. Um, again, he's a highly okay. He is a highly touted prospect 
who um, who struggled on his first time through the majors, and I think the same thing could occur with Alfaro, and and I think it really does occur with most catcher prospects, and it's why I tend to stay away from them until down the road because it's difficult to come into the, the majors and catch and hit right away. It makes what Gary Sanchez and JT Real Mudo have done really even more impressive because it's not usually that way. Okay, number 19, Christian Vasquez. 290.58, uh, receiving about three-fifths of the starts behind the plate last year. He hit 290, five homers, and seven steals. Do you think he could turn into JT Real Muto? Yeah, he had a nice year last year, and this is yet another guy that I kind of liked coming up uh, because he showed flashes of speed and power, which, I don't know, for me, when I see any speed in a catcher, my eyes light up. If, if you could give me five steals to that position, it doesn't seem like a lot, but it's huge. It's it, to me, it's just huge. And if you get close to ten, that puts you in elite territory. You're in you're in my good graces. Uh, and this is a kid that does have some speed. He does have some power, and he hits for good average. He's not going to kill you in that department, which is usually a problem with catchers. So I I like it at this point. Um, he's going to get the playing time this year, and if he let's just say plays 115 games, I like him for just around I don't know. 10 to 15 home runs, 10 steals, uh, 275 average. It's not bad from that position. Anything with any time a catcher could get you 10 steals, he's rosterable. Yeah, so this is where Grandal really should end up. Um, I know we already talked about him, but Vasquez is, is, is definitely an excellent framer. So um, I don't think they're going to, I don't know if they'd really want to want to sign someone like Lucroy, um, who's probably a downgrade in that regard. Um, but if they will really want an offensive upgrade, I think Grandal's a great landing spot for Boston. With that said, um, I, I mean, the steals are definitely nice, but there's not too much pop here. Um, the batting average will be okay, you know, 260, two. Two, almost 270, right? 265. So he's not going to kill you, um, but he's he, it's it's a nice source of like sneaky speed if you if you can afford to not have the power, um, which may be possible, right? Because uh, there's just so many positions, especially like middle infield, where you can just get so much power. So um, he he could. He could help you out. I, I just – I don't know if I'm really that interested. I think I'd rather have, like, someone like Darno. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not terribly interested in Vasquez. Uh, the 290 average is nice, but it's underscored by a 348 BABIP. The line drive rate at nearly 25% helps explain the BABIP, but – He's still a catcher. I mean, I, I, I see a guy who doesn't walk that much. 
that's probably going to cap, cap his stolen base upside once the Babbage, Babbage regresses. The, pow, the profile doesn't play for power. Uh, I don't know. Like, I'd much rather have this next guy, uh, number 20, Tyler Flowers, at 309 in terms of ADP. I liked him as chief option last year. Joe, me and you both liked him uh, in deeper formats and two-catcher leagues. Uh, he produced in those formats because he made some changes in terms of the amount of contact he made. Uh, could Flowers become relevant in standard mixed leagues, do you think? And what do you think about him and Kurt Suzuki? Yeah, I don't know. For me, Flowers is just completely – he he's the definition of a waiver wire guy. Um, you know, the, the in, path- in, in a standard league, I'd agree, yes. For sure. Yeah, in a standard league, I, I don't. I don't think he's really even rosterable. Um, there's really not much power and not much speed in his profile. Uh, the same goes for Kurt Suzuki, who I think is turning 85 this year. Uh, I'm just. I'm just not interested um, at all. That the numbers just aren't strong enough. Even though he's coming off a good power year, he just does not excite me at all. I think he reverts back to being a seven eight home run guy yeah but let me let me let me just let me just chime in here because i i really liked flowers last year in deeper formats like two catcher leagues or yeah you know like insane mixed leagues where you roster 600 players um if you put tyler flowers and kurt suzuki together nick who had a really nice year last year what do you think their stat line would be? Uh, 30 home runs to 80 average. Yep. That's awesome. You're almost spot on. Yeah. If you put Flowers and Suzuki together, and this would have been your last two picks, you would have ended up with 679 plate appearances, 31 homers, 87 RBIs, 91 runs and a 280 batting average. So basically, if you had invested your last two picks in the Braves catchers last year, you would have gotten Gary Sanchez. Yeah, now, uh, right, Kurt Suzuki definitely took the Yadier Molina approach too, right, and just put everything in the air. So he got a nice little boost uh, because of that. But I actually, I actually like Flowers and Pat, you know this. Um, I like Flowers better just because when he hits the ball, he hits it freaking hard. He crushes yep. the ball. So, um, I, I and still, he makes contact. Uh, yeah. So I still like Flowers uh, better going into the year. But yeah, you can you can pair these two on the cheap for some really nice sneaky production. And everyone will laugh at you at the draft, and you'll be like, okay, whatever. I don't really care. <laughs> Yeah, and on top of that, that ballpark in Atlanta is a band box. <laughs> so I think that's I think that's part of the reason why Suzuki's power went crazy last year is because the ballpark is very conducive to it. All right, so we have a few others of note, and then we're going to wrap up for the night. I know it's been a long show. We've got Francisco Mejia, 319.46. The rookie catcher was inside the Fangraphs expert 
top 12 in terms of the position. Drafters have been a little more conservative. When do you think he's up for good, and do you expect him to produce right away? I am in love with this kid, and <laughs> I am. I, I this is a, I, I I seem to be on all the prospects, but really? <laughs> yeah. Wait, why do you say that? I'm not interested at all, especially for 2018. Oh, uh, I, I I really like him, and I think he gets the playing time this year. Um, the there's not much really else to talk about except for the fact that he's a really good contact hitter. He's got good power. Once again, a guy who a catcher who could steal bases, and he doesn't strike out. I, I don't do you know think, what. What? Do you, I'm sorry. Finish. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying that. Uh, I I really like him as a player, and I think he gets his shot uh, this year at some point. What do you think his home run upside is? Sorry for interrupting you. In a full season? Yeah. Like peak. Uh, I think he could hit twenty five. Okay. All right, all right. All right. So your your expectations aren't wild. No, but I, think like, hit, I, I know, but I think he could hit twenty five and he could bat like two eighty plus and he could steal like close to ten bases. So yeah, once but, again a, a Lucroy ish guy. Do, what what is the probability like what percent probability do you think that happens this year? Well, who else is in front of him? Oh, the Cavs. John Gomes, yeah, John Gomes, John Gomes and, and Roberto Perez. Yeah, I mean, is the yeah, but they like really... those guys. Yeah, and Perez can and Perez is a good cat, like catcher. He's a good. John Gomes, John Gomes is made of glass. John Gomes stinks. All right, yeah, we all agree with that. But Perez is is a good receiver. Yeah, Perez and is... and they like those guys. Like there's yeah, something right. to be said for the fact that, like we might not think they're good, but Cleveland doesn't share our opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, listen. I, I, the, uh, he, he we, we could all agree that Mejia has more upside than both of those guys, right? Yeah, from a fantasy perspective, sure. But I don't know. Like next year, I think he might uh, come up in the middle of the year. Which essentially kills all his value because I don't think he's I don't think he's gonna hit right away like Contreras did, and my, so now we're talking like 2019. So wait, let me, let me just finish real quick. So we all agree that he has more upside than most of those guys, right? Okay, let's just say they go into spring training, and he absolutely mashes. And, I still and, don't think he starts. Wait, let's just say that he absolutely crushes the ball. Okay, which if he does, he gets the job. There's no, no. why would. Okay. They have, so, they have so, a right, staff that, that has let's, used let's, these guys to get to the World Series. Okay. Let me let, let me let me let me poke let me poke a hole in the whole uh, Francisco Mejia theory, right? In the Arizona Fall League this year, they had him playing at third base. Okay. So they're obviously not in love. With the idea of him as a catcher, and apparently okay. he was terrible at third base. My point yeah, which this. means he might go back to catcher. But my point is, let's just say sometime in spring training they announce that he is going to be the team's starting catcher going to this season. Let's just say. Well, at that point, I would say he's a top. I would take a shot at him in the top fifteen. Yeah, I agree. 15. Me too. Top fifteen, yes. I would probably go top ten, but I agree. Okay, 
All right, Russell Martin was annually a top 10 catcher for some time. Uh, 322-5. His year was cut short by injury, but he was on a 20-homer pace with Toronto seemingly in transition. Do you think he's worth a buy as an in-game catcher in deeper formats? Being in a younger model. Yeah, I've. this is another guy similar to Santana. I just have never been a fan. I would never own him. Uh, he's got a really low floor as far as batting average goes, and the home run totals are a bit boring for me. The speed is gone from his game, uh, and he's also turning – or he is 34 right now, so I'm just out on Martin. On yeah, see, I, I kind of view him very similar to McCann. Yeah, me too. Um, Super safe. Yeah, like Nick mentioned low floor in terms of batting average, but that's kind of the norm for a catcher. Like 230 for a catcher is like 260 everywhere else. Um, So Joe said it, super safe. Like it's just like McCann. All right, so if Martin plays most of the year, I'm expecting somewhere between the number eight and number 15 catcher. Yeah. And it doesn't sound sexy, super sexy, but depending on your team construction and the amount of risk you took, and obviously that's your lack of investment in the catcher position, it might just be what the doctor ordered. Yeah. Okay. All right, Chris Iannetta, who we promised that we would talk about. Uh, 360.82. He's returning to Colorado off a year where he hit 17 homers with an 865 OPS in Arizona in 89 games. Do you think he sees more work? And could he become Colorado's answer at catcher? Ugh. Um... <laughs> This is uh, this is going to be extremely temporary. I, I, I don't care what he did last year. Murphy is now at the point where he has to come up. They have to bring him up. What's the point of keeping him in the minors anymore? Uh, he's 26 years old. He is a real, real, real talent with real power upside. He's got all the tools to be a really good power hitting catcher with a good average. I don't understand why he's still down there. Tony Walters was the catcher. They kept him down. All these schmucks that come to Colorado that Nick, catch him. Nick. What? Did you ever consider that? He can't catch? He's not that good. No, he is that good. You <laughs> no, have to watch did, him play. Did you ever consider that he's not that good of a catcher? Oh, look at Gary Sanchez. That but they just signed Chris Iannetta, dude. Oh, my God. Did you really just comp Murphy to <laughs> Gary Sanchez. Dude, Joey, you are a big double-A guy, right? You love the double-A game, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I do. All right, so look at Murphy's numbers in double-A. 13 home runs in 72 games. Look at him in triple-A, 20 home runs in 80 games. <laughs> like, he's got major, major power upside. Uh, he he, I, I, he came I, up to the bigs, and he was disgustingly terrible. But it was, <laughs> it was so brief both times. <laughs> I, I hate Chris Iannetta, 
bring up Tom Murphy. End of discussion. Let's move on. I I don't I don't disagree that the the power side is there, especially in Colorado. But there's he's he's just he probably just can't catch. I mean, why would you sign Chris Iannetta? Who yeah, granted he hit 17 home runs, and uh, I can't really peg why. Um, it kind of just looks like a, a bit of an they outlier. They just want a veteran catcher so that he could, you know, frame better and fucking, you know, do his shit. I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> so the same reason why Mejia is going to be the best. That's sort of a award-winning analysis. You get it's getting tired. All right, move on. Well, that's There's it. There's nothing left. There's nothing left. That was it. That was the end. <laughs> oh, man. Yo, so that's right. it. You guys yes, got yes. our offseason rundown and our entire catcher preview tonight. Next, was... year, next year, we have to do the catcher preview when we wake up, right after we wake up in the morning, because this is tough. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard work. What was this? Almost three hours? Yeah, it was almost three hours. Oh. All right, well. But it's okay. I... Everybody's got their holidays coming up. They have to travel. Yeah, you guys have nothing else to listen to, right? And there's no fantasy baseball podcast out there, so trust me, I've looked for them. Yeah. They're all and, they're all on vacation. And listen, before we close the show, I just want to say that everyone out there uh, have a happy holidays and say a say a special prayer for Pat Donovan, my co-host, because he's no going to take a hard loss. About our fantasy he's going to take a hard league. hard loss this Especially weekend. anybody that's listening to this fantasy baseball podcast. Okay. All right. Let's Don't worry, guys. I'm going to whoop his ass. It'll be fine. <laughs> uh, thanks very much for listening, and we will be back uh, with, probably uh, next week with First Base. Right? First base. All right. Oh, God. Oh, First Base is fun. Oh, no, I mean, like, good. Like, thank goodness. Oh, okay. All right. I was about to say, First Base. Come on. It's the best. All right. All right. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. See you. Bye. <laughs>